I was looking for my daily Elliot Polly Shore stats. I didn't see him today, so I don't know. Good afternoon. Big Sills here on the National Football Show. We are packed today and tomorrow and with you as it is football season. Man, it's awesome. I tune on the NFL Network and look, I, I, I look at the NFL Network outside of my boy Baldy and I go like this. I don't know. But I'll tell you one thing they have is great access to all the camps. They go around all the camps, obviously, because it's owned by the NFL Network. So you get tremendous accessibility to all the camps and all 32 NFL teams. And they go to all of them. You see them going through their practice. You see them going through, you know, all their drills and all their conditioning drills and all such. It's really great access. So I'm sitting there watching this all day long. As you're watching these teams go to camp, and you can get a sense. Some teams practice, and some teams don't practice. So I'm watching Sports Take, and there was a dude on today with the fellas. And I don't know if he was goofing or not, but he said the Eagles like practice like 15, 20 minutes a day. Hey, hey, good luck to you, man. <laughs> I, I mean, 15 minutes a day, yeah. Okay, that's going to tell me a lot about a two and five start. Or wait, what is it now? Two and four by the time we get to week seven. Holy cow. He goes, yeah, man, you show up, you watch 15 minutes of practice. Okay, Jeff McClain. Hey, by the way, Xander, that was a great segment too, man. That guy said a lot in there. Said a lot. I mean, I was I, I, I watched that whole segment. I'm not goofing on him. But he made it also seem, dude, 15, 20 minutes a day you're practicing? How in the world are you supposed to get better with all the new faces in your building and you're not practicing hard? You're not working. Hey, watch this. You're not working hard because you're in fear of being injured. I don't know about you, but the 2017 team did okay with the philosophy of going out and working hard. Some people thought maybe that Doug Peterson drove those guys a little bit too hard. If that results in a Super Bowl, why would you break precedent off that? Look, they've got last year in 2021 on their side where they can look me in the face and go, you know what you're talking about, Silio. You have no idea. And so I'm like this with you here. Okay. But I do think that that had a lot to do with the slow slow start that they had last year. By the way, 4.30 Eastern time, Mike Missinelli will be with us. Part of our great post-game show for the Philadelphia Eagles this year. I cannot wait to talk to Mike. Mike's been one of the most plugged-in guys in sports talk radio in Philadelphia sports history. Wrote a book about Big Sills and Jerome Brown. I'm going to tell Mike this, so I'll bury the lead here with you. I love the book. I hate the story. (laughs) I don't even know if that makes sense. But we're going to talk to Mike Missinelli. That'll be at 4.30 Eastern time today. By the way, tomorrow, just a programming note, John Kincaid, the morning host, on 97.5 The Fanatic will be with us at 3.30 on Friday. Still working on Keith Jackson, but John Kincaid, the morning man on The Fanatic, will be with us tomorrow. So Next two days are going to be packed. We appreciate everybody coming aboard here. Lotus, thank you so much. Lotus, man, good luck to you. You're going to need it with 
Trey Lance this year, you're you're gonna need it. Mike goes like this: twelve and fifteen, four touchdowns in fifteen minutes. We're set. <laughs> yeah. Oh, there's a reason that Nick Saban and Belichick have twenty championships between the two of them. Yeah, because they work hard, Daz. What up, Ron? Appreciate it, man. What's the name of the book? Good call, man. It's called The Perfect Season. And I hate to say this, The Perfect Season, how Penn State stopped a hurricane and won the national title. No, Mike's a Penn State guy too, so put that in the back of your hat, all right? Cooking with Big Seals, how to stir it up. Thank you very much. That's my new cookbook. Hey, Xander, that's going to be my new um, my new sports talk cookbook, How to Stir It Up with Big Sills. How you doing? <laughs> yeah. Hey, Dominique, thank you so much, man. I appreciate it. By the way, I see some of your comments, and I love the fact that you're talking about Big Sills. Other people's shows, it's great. By the way, Xander can't even go into a coffee shop with someone going, hey, I saw Cilio the other day. In Philadelphia, people are going, hey, I saw Cilio. Xander's like, great. Had no idea who he is. He's just getting a cup of coffee. Everyone is watching Big Sills, including the dudes over at the Novacare Center. I think that's spectacular, man. Thank you so much. Hey, by the way, Tennessee Titans will be next up. That is the week 13 opponent going through the schedule of the Eagles And we're going to talk about those Titans, one of the best-run organizations in all of football. But I want to throw this out at you here. And Xander may be the greatest analyst on this question because he was there for it. That debate that went on back in the day at Alabama. Tua takes over for Jalen Hurts. Tua got a new toy in Tyree Kill. Tua had Jalen Waddle drafted. Wow. You got a first-round draft choice from Alabama, and you got a free agent in Tyree Kill. Where's that similarity? Interesting. It's in Philadelphia. You drafted an Alabama wide receiver in Devontae Smith, and then you went out and spent $100 million. On A.J. Brown. The debate may come to a conclusion here. Who is going to end up with the better career? Who's going to truly have the breakout year this year? Tug of Viola? Or Hurts? Who's the better player? Saban at Alabama... Okay? Saban at Alabama said it was Tua. Who do you think it is? CT Philly fan, the best sports talk villain hands down. I respect that line, and I love that line. (laughs) Uh, Xander says, big sales. (laughs) Oh. Birds 365, the sports take followed by this show. I wish it was like this when I was growing up. The morning paper, get it delivered, 
And then you get to talk some Eagles. Thank you, Mike. That's pretty cool, dog. Ty says Joe. Joe! There's no fence straddling on this show. Joe! What are you talking about? A tie. There's no ties. On the Big Sill Show, National Football Show, there's no ties. We don't have ties here. We don't have, well, you know, I kind of like both. Come on, man. Jim Bean. Yeah, Dan, everybody loves a train wreck. Everybody's watching. Okay, sure. Watch this. You know what Xander says to that? Great. (laughs) Hey, Sills, just keep it on the rails and we're good. Lushy says, Hertz will have the much better year. Bridgewater will start for Miami before the season is over. Well, Tucker Viola had a better year last year. He was in a tougher division. He, he's a better player, according to Nick Saban. Do you have a female friend who talks sports? Yeah, Joy Taylor. She comes on our show. Any list today? Not today. Not today. Jim Bean, Big Sills, I love it. Please hit the like button, guys. We appreciate you coming aboard. Let me give you my take on it. Send me a note, Xander. Who do you think has the breakout year, Tua or Hurts? I think Miami's got a pretty good offense. Plus, you've got, hey, you want to hear this? Jalen Waddell with Jacoby Brissett last year and Tug of Viola, he did have 104 catches. He did have 1,000 yards. With a defensive-minded coach, too, by the way, and Brian Flores. So when Chris Greer grabbed him, they knew kind of what they had with Waddle. Hey, and for the record, Jalen Waddle was evaluated as a better player than Devontae Smith. Prior to Waddle getting hurt at Alabama, I may be wrong, Xander, but people thought Jalen Waddle was a better player. By the way, I think he was drafted ahead of him. Okay? Right? I think two is a better quarterback if that answers your question. I, it does. You were there. Okay? Wow. I happen to think two is going to have a breakout season too. I think two is a more accurate player. The issue with Tua is the fact that he can't stay healthy. That's his problem. That's part of the evaluation too. And that goes on the side of Jalen Hurts. You know what Jalen has going for him this year? He's a tough kid. There's no question he's worked on his body. He looks like a different ball player and he's put the work in. You can see it from a year ago to today. That's a different looking dude. I don't know if that translates into being a better quarterback. But he's understanding that this is the war of attrition. It's a 17-game NFL season. You've got to condition your body for it. I'm going to say this to you too, guys. When you're a rookie or you're a young player and you play in the NFL and you're used to playing 12 or 13 ball games and you go into a 16-game schedule plus the four games back in the day for exhibition football, man, by the end of the year, you are mentally fatigued. It's a thing. It's a thing. It, it is. I would say that Jalen Hurts is more mentally prepared for this year than he was a year ago because there was a lot of unknowns. He kind of knows the guardrails. 
on quarterback in the NFL. Slide. Throw the ball away. Patience. Don't have to be in a hurry. It's funny. You don't have to be in a hurry, but you have to have a sense of urgency. It's kind of what it is, and it's a convoluted message that I'm telling you. But that's kind of what it is. Okay? Uh, did they have two days today? I don't know. They probably took the day off, and they probably went to Starbucks. I, I don't know what the Eagles did today. They're probably at Starbucks right now, and Sirianni's talking about mochas. <laughs> I, I, I don't know. Hey, the coconut mocha is better than the chocolate mocha, especially when you put sprinkles on it. I don't know. And if you let it sit there, it probably ferments a little better. And you can taste it on your palate later. I don't know, man. That guy's a weirdo too sometimes. They had a walkthrough today. No media. Oh, wow, man. I'm surprised we didn't get stats for that. Two is a more polished as a passer. Dank, I agree. We're all in a hurry up scenario, says CT Philly fan. Hertz needs to relax in the pocket and trust his O-line. Sub, correct. That's the one thing Wentz has to work on, too. Dude, here, watch this, Sub. Here's Carson Wentz. Stop patting the gosh dang ball, too, dog. You're tipping everything off when you do that. You know what's D-lineman? You watch everything that a quarterback does. Goes to his mouth twice. He's passing. Some guys had that. Guy looks over to his left and right. Every guy has a mannerism that you're looking for on film. Stop patting that ball, dog. You're tipping it. He'll come to the line of scrimmage sometimes early in his career, and once licks his lips, and you're like, okay, guy, there's a great chance this is a pass. Do me a favor, man. Relax. Throw the ball away. Joseph, what up, brother? Sills, the show sucks. Don't know how I'm sitting through a fourth day of this. I know, man, right? It's terrible. (laughs) It's terrible. Colt, hey, Sills. Why don't left left quarterbacks, why don't left-handed quarterbacks make it in the NFL? That's because most personnel is set up for right-hand quarterbacks. It's a whole different skill set. You got a left-handed quarterback, and that's why Tua is a novelty. Think of this for a second. If Tua goes down, that means your that means your right tackle is your left tackle. Everything is reversed. Your best player on a left-handed quarterback is your right tackle, not your left tackle for a right-hand quarterback protecting the blind side. So most personnel set up the reverse. Ball spins a different way to receivers. The way it's thrown, everything is inside out. That's why you don't see a lot of success with left-hand quarterbacks in the NFL. A lot of personnel on teams are set up for right-hand quarterbacks because that's the dominant arm that comes out of college. Very seldom do you see this. A left-hand quarterback That's why you have to have almost a left-handed quarterback backup when you have somebody like Tua. Esaias and Steve Young. Right, sure, those are successful. 
Outside of Steve Young, the most successful left-hand quarterback is Ken Stabler and Steve Young? In NFL history? Right? Both Hall of Fame quarterbacks? Left-handed? Not a lot of them. Hell, as a matter of fact, left-handed quarterbacks in the Hall of Fame? Is there another one in there? Yeah, Vic, you think he was successful? Or do you think he was entertaining? You think Vic was successful? I don't. Would he win? Boomer at least got to a Super Bowl. Boomer won an AFC. Boomer was an MVP. Okay? Mike, Vic was nowhere close to those guys. He was a talented player playing quarterback. He wasn't really a great quarterback. But he was fun to watch, man. Okay? Yeah, well, Tony, he played for the Bucs. He didn't have a winning season until he got to San Francisco and he played behind Montana. <laughs> I mean, let's be candid and fair here. Entertaining as hell, big picking. Vic was entertaining, man. Boomer was an MVP, won the NFL Most Valuable Player Award. Yes, he did. Carson Wentz can't get out of his own head. That's why he's on a team for the third year in a row. A different team. That's got to change, and I think it will this year. We're going to look at the NFC East this year, too. They say running quarterbacks can't be successful. How about scrambling Fran Tarkington? Joseph, when Fran Tarkington retired from the National Football League, he was the all-time leading passer, too. And had taken his football team to three Super Bowls. He wasn't just a scrambler. He was a passer first. When he came out of Georgia, Fran Tarkenton is a passer. I think he threw for over 47,000 yards. That record was there for a long time until Marino broke it. Fran Tarkenton did scramble around a lot, but you don't remember Fran Tarkenton running up the field a lot. You remember him scrambling in the pocket, behind the line of scrimmage, doing a lot of that, improvising, creating passing lanes. Tarkington wasn't really, if you look at his overall numbers when it came to running and rushing numbers, they're not high. But he moved around in the pocket a lot. And when you move around in the pocket, you're creating passing lanes for yourself. Tebow. I wouldn't think Tebow was all that successful in the NFL, my friend. Okay? Right? I'll take Wentz with two sprained ankles over Hurts. We'll get to this here in a minute. Seems like you can't get Wentz out of your head. It's because Wentz is going to be a thorn in the side of the Eagles, I think, for the next couple of years in Philadelphia. So who would I take? Two is the better quarterback. I think he has a breakout year this year. If Here. He plays 14 games this year. I think two. Who throws for 4,000 yards this year? Tug of Viola or Hertz? What did he have last year? Let me take a look at Tug of Viola's numbers from a year ago. Let's see what he did. I know he was hurt. To what Tug of Viola stats? I think he had a pretty decent year last year. He's 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 a winning, he's a winning quarterback. 
Let's see what he is. Okay, Tug of Viola. By the way, he's 13 and 18. Played in 12 games last year. Was 7 and 5 last year. Year before that, he was 6 and 3. 16 touchdowns, 10 picks, 67.8 completion percentage. Damn, he had just as many completions as Jalen Hurts did. And he played in four less games. Hmm. Quarterback, 90. Not bad. Not bad numbers for a guy that didn't play a boatload of games last year. Seven and five a year ago. 13 ball games, started 12 of them. Tug of Viola, I can, I can tell you this. When I watch Tug of Viola play, I already see he's a better passer than Jalen at this stage in their career. At this stage. And beat winning teams. Thank you, Keith. That's correct. He did beat winning teams. Hurts literally had a better year than Tua. You're such a hater. I don't think he had a better year. I don't. I think the AFC is a better conference. It's got to be who you play. You beat winning teams. When you beat teams that are significant and you beat teams that matter, that's how I gauge you. Beating stiffs, it's not how I gauge you. You know, I'll, I'll say this. I agree with you, Daz. And I agree with some of you too. Brian, deep passing, I question too his ability to get the ball down the field deep. Then again, Jalen's nothing to be uh, talking about also on deep passes. So you're right, okay? That's I would say that about Tug of Viola too. Okay, the deep passing game. Well, now he's got Tyree Kill. Tyree Kill and Jalen Waddle and a decent tight end and a good running game. And you get the offensive tackle from the Saints. I think the Dolphins, I think the Dolphins finished second in the AFC East this year. Okay. Mike, that's all that's what Tyree Kill did in Kansas City. He took those eight-yard jet passes. And he took it to the house. Hurts arm is stronger by a landslide. That don't make you more accurate. Just because you have arm strength doesn't make you arm talent or have skill in your arm. That doesn't mean that, my friend. Look at Spike. Spike goes, Dan's losing Eagle fans. Why? When I say you're going to win the NFC East and you're going to go to the NFC Championship game, how is that losing fans? That's because you listen to stupid stuff, dog. I think this Eagle team has a chance to go to the NFC Championship game this year. Just make sure the quarterback doesn't screw it up. Where are you getting that? I have predicted that. I'm on record. I'm one of the very few people that have said that. The Eagles in the NFC title game. Win the East. Bro, what more do you want? You're not winning the Super Bowl because the Bills are going to win that thing. That's my prediction, but you're going to get there. Then we're going to have a whole different conversation after the season on what to do with your QB. Okay? 
no one in Philly or Indianapolis believes in Carson. After seeing him shit the bed up close and personal. Bro, I don't know how you say that when he holds every single season passing record in your history of your franchise. Do you, he, he holds every record in your passing legacy in Philly. We're getting swept by the cowgirls. Got us angry, Sills. But I think gaming that those, I think that those games are going to be exceptionally close. And if the quarterback can make 10 plays in one of those games, you can win it. But you haven't been competitive since 2019. How can I sit here on July 28th with fantasy talk and say you're going to beat the team when you haven't been close to the team and you have, and you practice 15 minutes a day? How can I possibly say that with a straight face when I'm not trying to overcook it or sell it to you? Let's get out there and see this team play. I want you first to beat Detroit. Then you've got a real good competition in week two in the home opener against the Vikings at the link. Tua is exceptionally, extremely, I should say, inaccurate. I disagree. Hey, Shock, if Tua is extremely inaccurate, so is Jalen even worse. Because Tua, in my book, is a more accurate quarterback. His completion percentage from a year ago was 67.8. Almost 70% of his passes were completed. That's an inaccurate comment. John says Sills isn't a hater, and I'm not a hater. He's a realist. And I appreciate, hey, John, I think you got a team that could do something this year. Ain't no hating. That's two years ago. Yeah, you downgraded in your coach. What, you think Nick Sirianni's an upgrade from Doug Peterson? Are you crazy? If the Cowboys are all overrated, they destroyed you last year. Don't say that. Dank, right? 67% completion percentage is extremely inaccurate. I don't think that guy knows what the definition of inaccurate is. Two is still injured. Is still injured. He's dinking and dunking. Brady made a career out of that spike. Brady made a career out of dinking and dunking, tight end one or two times over the top, plus 25. And the guy won seven Super Bowls doing it. If that results in that, give me Dinkin' and Dunkin' every day. Dinkin' and Dunkin' every day leads to seven Super Bowls? Sign me up. Oh, yeah, but he's a game manager. Well, if a game manager results in the all-time winningest quarterback in the history of the sport and considered the greatest NFL player of all time and the greatest teammate of all time, sign me up. I don't even want Hurts as a quarterback, but man, do I want him to ball. Flex, me too. Tua ain't Brady. I'm talking philosophy, Reyes. Holy cow. Oh, here, here. Let me, let me bury that. I will never compare anybody to Tom Brady. I'll compare Styles to Tom Brady. Okay? Styles. 
Nobody in their right mind would compare Brady's resume because there is nobody that can be comparable to. Do you know who Tom Brady is today? He's Tiger Woods. Every year we come up with the next new Rory McIlroy. Oh, it's going to be Patrick Mahomes. Oh, it's going to be Josh Allen. Hey, it could be this Justin Herbert. And you know what ends up happening? There's only one Tiger Woods. Every year we, we try to have a new GOAT conversation on Brady. Dude, nobody's going to do what Brady ever did. Nobody's going to play 44 years at that level. Nobody. You're watching one of a kind. Nobody will duplicate that ever again in NFL history. Okay? Even Belichick thought he was finished in New England. Thought he was finished. He goes down on a Zoom. On a Zoom. Gets his players motivated and they win it. Unbelievable. Bottom of the hour here in a couple minutes here. We're going to talk about the Tennessee Titans. That's going to be the week 13 opponent for the Eagles here. 60% sucks too. Okay, well. Okay. Kind of. Seals, come on, cuz. You're going to compare two of I'm not comparing two of Brady. I'm comparing styles, dinking and dunking. Holy cow. <laughs> hey. All right. Yeah. That's what I didn't do. I didn't come. Oh, my God. Hey, Xander, am I speaking English? I hope I'm not speaking Italian. Because sometimes they make, I, I, I could break out into an Italian couple lines here. So I hope I'm not speaking Italian here, man. <laughs> For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger. Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. <laughs> no, you're speaking silly I don't know what that means, but I'm assuming it's an insult. Hey, Big Sills here for Morgan and Morgan, where the fee is free. If you've been hurt or injured on the job, please do me a favor and call our friends over at Morgan and Morgan. For the people. That's right, man. It's not a slogan. This is who they are. And for the last 30 years, who they are is collecting over $13.5 billion for their clients. 800 attorneys strong in offices in Philly, New York, and in Florida are there to do battle for you. There's no intimidation with the biggest law firm in the country, and that is Morgan & Morgan. They're there to battle. No such thing, like I said, as a fender bender. Look, the call is free. The consultation is free. Call them at 800-512-1600. That's 800-512-1600. Listen, they're open 24-7, seven days a week. And do me a favor. When you call Morgan & Morgan, tell them Big Sill sent you. Many times when people are injured at a place of business, they don't realize they may have a case. The fact is injuries should not happen. And most of the time when someone is injured, someone is at fault. Maybe the store manager installed a cheap, slippery floor, or there wasn't proper security. After an injury at a hotel, restaurant, store, or any place of business, it's so important to call us. Time matters. Size matters. Morgan & Morgan. For the people. Com. Go for the pulse. 
and the pools. Go for the ooze and the ahs. Go for the bubbles and the bubbly. Go for the story and the stories. Go the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. Action News at 11 with Rick Williams. It's the team you trust to bring it all together. The stories that impact your community. A sports roundup for the locals. And the AccuWeather forecast you depend on. Action News at 11 with Rick Williams. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass. Free. What's that? Uh, a rocks glass? You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. Holy shit. And you're telling me I can get one of these glasses for free? That's right. One free rocks glass per customer with each first-time purchase of Stateside Vodka. So good, it just disappears. National Football Show. It's your boy, Big Bills. Do me a favor and please go over to our website and also over to our channel page where you see some of those great practice videos that John McMullen posted. They're pretty dope. Okay? They are, man. I I love watching that stuff. I said it to you yesterday because it tells me where they're, where they're at, what they're doing, you know, how they're working on individual techniques. I, I like that stuff. I don't know about you, but I do. And um, go over there. It's it's really great stuff. And it's our own content, which is always my favorite. I love creating our own content. I used to tell people that all the time who ask me questions about starting a radio show. Don't rely on other people's content. Create your own content. That's the number one thing that you can always do. That's why we have some of the biggest guests on the planet on our program. is because we create our own content. I've done that my entire career. That's why we get people that say something on the program. 
Okay, so that that's always been something that I've been really proud of, and that's great stuff that John McMullen put out there. So I invite you to go over there real quick before I get into the Tennessee Titans. The week 13 opponent for the Eagles. Um, I get asked the question all the time about my college, the University of Miami, and I just real quick here. I get asked this question. Sills, when do you think Miami will be back? Can I tell you? Very simple. When you're afraid to leave the practice field or you're afraid to come out of games because you'll lose your job. That's what they have at Alabama. Xander knows this as well as I do. If you leave and you put your hand up and come out of an Alabama game, you may lose your job. Because there's seven guys deep. I had Cortez Kennedy and Russell Maryland behind me. I'm not coming out of ball games. Big Seals don't sit the bench. I ain't coming out of games. I don't care if my arm's hanging. I'm not coming out of games. I don't sit the bench. That ain't working. That's when you know you're back. Is when you're afraid to come out of a scrimmage or a game. Those are the great programs. When you're in a comfort zone, like you see that country club they have with the Eagles, that's a problem. Competition creates competitiveness, sense of urgency, lean forward stuff. I like that. I don't want any player on any team at any level to think that their job is safe because then you get complacency. You want to know why teams haven't repeated in the NFL for Super Bowls in the last 19 years is because teams get comfortable with their position where they are. The Rams are a prime example of this. The one thing that Nick Saban does and the one thing that Belichick does is that he makes sure everyone knows your job's on the line every year. I don't care what the name on the back of the jersey says. See, in Philadelphia, they've handed out starting assignments already without even practicing. Is that an issue? For me, it is. For them, they think health is more important. And see, this is an ego thing. Howie believes he knows the best talent that's on his roster without practicing. And that's why they're not practicing. They look at it like this. The front office knows which guys are the best. Instead of guys earning it. And that's why when you get into games against good teams, you get destroyed. Because nobody had to fight for anything. Now... What saves the Eagles? Some of those guys that are on that football team have gone through the war of having won that thing and lifted up the Lombardi trophy. Some of those guys had a fight for it. How he hands out assignments. Here, it's yours. No, not you. Here, it's you. Every Thursday, Nick Sirianni's got to wait and see who's earned Howie's trust. Not the head coach's trust. Am I wrong? Am I wrong when I say that? You're not earning Nick Sirianni's trust. You're earning Howie Roseman's trust for playing time on Sundays. Am I wrong? Dallas is content just being Dallas. Steven, bang. Jerry Jones handing out assignments. Players are okay with just being Dallas Cowboys. They're not Super Bowl champions. That's exactly correct. 
In Dallas, there's no sense of urgency on you losing your job if you're Zeke Elliott. They're going to play your ass because you're one of Jerry's boys. That's exactly right. Tony Romo didn't have to worry about getting benched because he was Jerry Jones's guy. That's why when Parcells started sitting his ass, Parcells was like, this ain't working. Spike goes, that's the owner's fault. Okay, that's right. It's also the owner's fault in Philly for giving that much power to the general manager. I don't want the general manager to have anything to say on Sundays. He should be seen and not heard. But see, the 2017 season gets in the way now. That's why Doug Peterson was exited out of that building. So now Howie gets all the credit. Like I said, they should have just put Howie Roseman's name on all 53 rings that they handed out to the players because he thinks he won that thing and no one else. Not Doug or not Frank or not Wentz or not Foles. It was players and coaches that won that thing. Well, you think people in the front office weren't nervous after Wentz went down and Doug Peterson settled the waters and went like this? It's okay, I got this. Me and Frank were backup players. Foles is going to do fine. And actually, there was no drop-off. Actually, it may have ticked up. Cowboys still living in the 90s? Correct. They're still trying to... Hey, G-Meta. The Cowboys are still trying to duplicate what they did in the 90s not realizing you can't duplicate greatness. You have to make your own greatness. Okay? Greatness is something that you create yourself. There's one Tom Brady. There's one Tiger Woods. There's one Wayne Gretzky. Okay? I mean, there's one Bill Belichick. Everyone wants the next Andy Reid or whatever. Well, let's get a quarterback coach and turn him into a head coach. That's Joe Philbin how that worked out. Andy Reid was behind Holmgren. He wasn't calling plays in Green Bay. No one knew that that would work in Philly. As a matter of fact, if I remember some of the headlines, Andy who? Right? I mean, he was a quarterback coach behind Mike Holmgren who called all the plays with Favre. Nobody knew Andy Reid was going to be a good coach. How are we making all the -the on-the-field decisions? This is crazy town. He does. Frank Reich's the greatest comeback quarterback of all time. You're talking the Buffalo game. That was a hell of a game. You want to hear something this too? He did that against the Canes. I think we were up 35 nothing or something. He came back and beat us. That's not foresight, Carson. That's called filling your... What happened was it was a salary cap. Jerry Jones could just throw his money around when there was no cap. Now he can't do it anymore. It's a great pick. It's a great conversation. Yeah, hey, Charles. I do think Mike Holmgren is a Hall of Fame coach. Yeah, when he quarterbacked the Terrapins, that's right, picking. 
I think Mike Holmgren is a Hall of Fame coach. I do think he's that. I do. Dallas started their downturn directly after the salary cap. That's a good call because you know what, too? Hey, PP, you know, Jimmy struggled with the salary cap when he got down to Miami. You know, Jimmy didn't have the salary cap in Dallas, too. And you know how much I love Coach Johnson. He had to deal with a new salary cap that was implemented when he went to Miami, and it was a little bit more marginal success, wasn't it? I think he was 28 and 20. Okay, something like that when he was in Miami, but he had to start dealing with all those numbers and a salary cap, and the salary cap makes it a lot more difficult for coaches to keep the same personnel. The turnover in the NFL every year, that's why you don't see a lot of teams going back-to-back. How are you listening? He don't listen because you know why? He's got a ring on his finger that says Howie Roseman. Oh, yeah, and Philadelphia Eagle champions. Harder to keep guys together. No question about it. Never thought about putting two on two together. One that one makes total sense. Appreciate it. Very good, CT Philly fan. Thank you. Appreciate you guys coming aboard here with us too. Please hit the like button. Yeah, and no, Brian, not only do they have to do the math when you're figuring out what the team is going to look like three years from now, you know, you've got to have insight of where player production is, um, incentives. You've got to look at how how he is looking at the Eagles in three years from now. He's not looking at it today on July 28th, 2022. A general manager, this is why I think he sometimes puts speed bumps in the way of the franchise. I don't want my general manager thinking about today's football team on July 28th. I need to have my general manager worried about what my football team is going to look like in July 28, 2024. Let the head coach, let him do his job. That's the role of a GM. All right, let's look at this Titans team. We've been looking at some of the opponents that the Eagles are going to play this year. And this is the week... 13, and it's at Lincoln Financial. I'll get to some of your takes here in a minute. Please keep hitting the like button. Thank you, guys. I thought the Titans had a spectacular season, which ended poorly, but they ended it against a team that would would go on and win the AFC, and that's the Bengals. They ended up 12-5 and and the number one seed in the AFC. I love the general manager, John Robinson. I love the head coach, the reigning NFL coach of the year, and Mike Vrabel. I love the owner. This is one of the best-run franchises in all of the National Football League. Their GM is spectacular. Their head coach is spectacular. The owner writes checks when the team needs something. They give complete autonomy to the general manager and the head coach. They don't get a lot of love because they're in Nashville, but the Tennessee Titans are by far one of the best-run organizations in all the NFL. Just spectacularly run. It's really a well-run organization. And you know what they all have? Something Philadelphia doesn't have? They got faith in everybody's position. And they got trust that they're going to do their job. Vrabel's going to be the coach. Robinson's going to be the general manager. And the owner, who's a woman, by the way, 
is going to do the right thing by staying out of the way and getting in the way when it need be. Okay? They are a good football team. And by the way, they're going to be right there again. I don't care they lost A.J. Brown. You want to hear something crazy? That football team lost Derrick Henry. Hey, Xander, you know when I say, will Nick Saban have a Hall of Fame guy? Derrick Henry had 937 yards and 10 touchdowns last year in only seven games. And he finished ninth. That's unreal. He was a top 10 rusher last year. And he missed almost 10 ball games. He misses 10 games. And he has 937 yards. He would he, I, I think he would have broke Eric Dickerson's 2105. Okay? I think he would have broke 2105. He had 10 touchdowns in seven games. What a beast. What a beast. Two-time reigning rushing champion. Now he's back. I love that video of him and his daughter, too, at camp. I think that's dope. Hey, if I told you that Ryan Tannehill, since he's been the starting quarterback in Tennessee, is 30 and 13, what would you make of that? He's 30 and 13 as a starting quarterback since taking over from Marcus Mariota. It's been a massive success. I think they missed their window a little bit for a Super Bowl opportunity. Okay? I do. Tannehill's 30 and 13. And last year, he lost Derrick Henry for 10 games and he lost A.J. Brown for five games. How you doing? And by the way, they never missed a beat. They never missed a beat last year when Henry went down or A.J. Brown went down. That's a testament to the quarterback and the coach and to the organization. Like I said, who was the top seed in the very tough AFC last year? Wasn't the Bengals? Wasn't the Chiefs? Wasn't the Patriots? It was the Titans. And they lost two key players. You could say whatever you want about Ryan Tannehill. And don't ever say Hurts is better than that guy because he's not. He's a proven bona fide winner in Tennessee with better coaching. Look at the shit coaching he got in Miami. Now look at the coaching he's getting. Great organization, great general manager, great head coach. Starting in 13. Okay? Personally, here's my prediction. I think Mike Vrabel's going to take over for Bill Belichick as the next head football coach in New England. He's your Patriot head coach of the future. He's going to go back where he played, and he's going to coach for Bob Kraft. That's my prediction. Tremendous, man. Tremendous. What did Ryan do when it was in him, uh, English guy? I take Ryan over Hurts. He's a better player. NFC East stronger than AFC South. Well, it's funny you should say that. Really? 
Let's take a look at what Tannehill did last year. 2021 Tennessee Titan schedule. On December 23rd, see here. 2021, the Titans played the Here we Titans. go here. Let's see what they did last year. They beat the Colts. They beat Buffalo. They beat Kansas City. They swept the Colts. They beat the world champion Rams. They beat the Niners. Made it to the NFC title game. Then they lost in the divisional round to Cincinnati. So let's do that again. They swept the Colts. They beat Buffalo. They beat Kansas City. They beat the reigning world champion Rams. And they beat the 49ers who made it to the NFC title game. Tell me about the South. Tell me who they played and won against. You're making it sound like Ryan Tannehill did what Jalen Hurts did last year. Play against nobodies. Ryan Tannehill beat the world champion Rams without Derrick Henry. (laughs) What are you, crazy? Don't talk to me about what the Titans did last year. They beat teams. Jeremiah, I'm I'm with you on that take. I think they did miss it last year, too. I think they had an opportunity last year. I'm with you. Jeremiah, I, I think I think they had a one-year shot at it. Okay. Okay. No, but the Colts were nine and eight, the same as the Eagles were. Okay. Illuminate 85, appreciate it. Thank you very much, my friend. Dan, traditionally, pocket passers are becoming a thing of the past. Really? I'm not sure you want one behind center, but all the greats are on other teams. Name me one running quarterback that wins in today's NFL. And by the way, the guy in Buffalo, they're trying to stop that because they drafted a running back. And they're trying to get more rushes out of the rush game, not having him get hit as much. They're debating that in Baltimore, whether that style can win. It's funny, but today you say it's going out of style. To me, I still think it's a trend. If you don't have a drop back quarterback, you can't win. Okay. Thirty and thirteen. This Traylon Burks kid didn't get out to a good start in these mini camps. I'm suspect on him. You're gasping in helmets and shorts, kid. You know we were, we were goofing on Jamar Chase last year, talking about the different style of football in the league compared to college football. And so I'm going like this. You know, I kind of goofed on it a little bit. Guy goes out for fifteen hundred yards. Not a very good start 
for Burks out of Arkansas taking over for AJ. Let's hope that the kid is able to show people why they drafted him as high as they did in the first round. By the way, they land Robert Woods, the kid that was in Los Angeles. And now he's going to be probably their one and their number one wide receiver there in, in Tennessee. On the defensive side, Jeffrey Simons is a beast. I would say this to you. You talk about one of the better three technique defensive tackles. They haven't had a tackle like this since Albert Hainsworth in Tennessee. And he's the real deal. Now, he has a propensity at times to take plays off. Bugs me a bit about him. I like guys that have that engine rocking and rolling every single time they get on a football field. And you could see him at times take some plays off. However, he's a football player that you watch him make these sensational football plays. He, he, he's got ungodly a talent. Okay. Joseph, I, I don't get the, um, the asthma stuff and, you know, I mean, it, it bugs me. And by the way, I think that was one of the more underrated moves in the offseason, the Titans getting Robert Woods. I thought Robert Woods was a heck of a football player with the Rams. And I think he'll make an impact with Tennessee. I do. Hey, you mentioned it there, big picking. Harold Landry, I thought he was a bust until last year where he had 12 sacks. I was kind of waiting for him, waiting for him, waiting for him. Last year, he had 12 sacks. They got after people a little bit. Then again, it doesn't shock you. It's Mike Vrabel. Their back end is going to be a question mark, as every back end is when it comes to defensive backs in the NFL. That's also a rare air to have two great corners, safeties that can cover. But here, I'm going to say it again to you about this Titans organization. The owner's great. The general manager, spectacular. The head coach is the reigning NFL coach of the year. They have great management. They do a great job at identifying talent. And you know what's more important about Tennessee? That's why if you think you're going to roll Tennessee in week 13, you better bring your lunch pail and your miner's cap and your union card because that's going to be a tough ball game. Mike Vrabel has his team show up every single day. And if you ain't ready, you're going to get your head kicked in. A Mike Vrabel team doesn't show up and just go through the motions. They're going to be ready to roll, man, at Lincoln Financial in week 13. That team is coached well. It's run well. The GM stays out of the way on game day. And the owner is a great owner. She's got to be one of the best female owners in all of professional sports. They're good, man. They lose a component. And by the way, What you love about them, too, is they're not afraid to move off of a a bad decision. Let me tell you this, man. Everybody in Tennessee loved Marcus Mariota. By the way, I'm really glad to see Marcus Mariota won the starting job in Atlanta on the first day of practice. I hope he – I've never wished more good on a player more than him in my life. Man – Everywhere he goes, community guy, everyone loves him. He takes time for kids, does a lot of stuff with special needs guys. Marcus Mariota is a quality human being. He is a great kid. 
And I hope Atlanta gives him the opportunity to be a starting quarterback down there of the future. I hope he turns it around and he wins it. I really do. And he wins them over because he's a hell of a guy. And that was a tough move for Vrabel. Vrabel called him in and said, it's not happening. We're going with Tannehill. Better than Jeannie Buss? Take a look at Jeannie Buss's record over the last 10 years. How many losing seasons have they had? Seven? And they win the bubble NBA most – and they win the bubble NBA title Larry O'Brien trophy with everybody in the bubble. I think they've had seven losing seasons in the last 10 years. Jeannie Buss is not a good owner. <laughs> you, you got a contract in Russell Westbrook. It's like an anchor around your franchise right now. Steven, really, the Lakers are a mess. And you got a paper mache guy who wants to play on the perimeter who's 7-3. So you got a 7-3 perimeter shooter who's soft as tissue. You got a guy in Russell Westbrook who hates everything about the Lakers and everybody in the organization, and he doesn't fit. And Jeannie's lost seven losing seasons in 10 years. She ain't Dr. Buss, dog. <laughs> Carson goes, uh, Jeannie's good looking. Okay, well, you know, that's a different conversation, brother. Dan, was there a traditional pocket guy drafted in the first round this year? Let's see. A traditional drop back guy. No, because there wasn't really a good quarterback class this year. And that's why. Okay. Next year, you'll have them, and there'll be seven. And six of them are traditional drop back. Yeah, no. The first player taken was a defensive tackle. <laughs> Wasn't a quarterback. That all you, that's all you need to know about the draft. Okay? That's all you need to know about it. All right. Mike Missinelli from our great postgame show. For the Philadelphia Eagles will join us at 4.30 Eastern time. We are going to look at the NFC East. I'm going to rank the quarterbacks. I'm going to talk about all four football teams. Please hit the like button. Keep it right here on the National Football Show. Go for the pulse and the pools. Go for the ooze and the ahs. Go for the bubbles. And the bubbly. Go for the story. And the stories. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. Action News at 11 with Rick Williams. It's the team you trust to bring it all together. The stories that impact your community. A sports roundup for the locals. And the AccuWeather forecast you depend on. Action News at 11 with Rick Williams. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank.
At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass. Free. What's that? Uh, a rocks glass? You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. Holy shit. And you're telling me I can get one of these glasses for free? That's right. One free rocks glass per customer with each first-time purchase of Stateside Vodka. So good, it just disappears. National Football Show. It's your boy, Big Sales. Please hit the like button. Bottom of the hour at 4.30 Eastern. Mike Missinelli from our fabulous Eagle Post Game Show will join us. I cannot wait to talk to Mike and just talk sports with the guy. He's one of the legendary sports talk guys in the history of Philadelphia sports. And I say this to you. New York sports and Philadelphia sports Philly has more passion for their Eagles than Giant fans. It's tough. You know, it used to be that you willed your Giant tickets when you were younger, when I was young. You couldn't get a Giant ticket. I I can't think that there's a lot of tickets available when it comes to Eagle games, too. Just great fan bases. And that's what really rolls the market. New York is a Yankee. See, maybe that's the difference. New York's a Yankee market. It's kind of a giant market. Philly's an eagle market. Not saying that there's not great passion when the Phillies are winning or when the Sixers win or when the Flyers win. But when the Rangers win, okay, the Knicks, they ever got to be a good basketball team. I would like to see that because when I was a young kid, the Knicks were great. But that's really a Yankee town. And, and it, the Giants are second. If I had to rank them in New York, I would say this to you. I'd go, I'd go Yankees and Giants. Philly, it's Eagles, Eagles, probably Phillies. And the passion is really driven by the fans. Yankee fans are a lot like Eagle fans. Hey, let's go. Winning one Super Bowl is not enough. Want to be great every year. You should want that. Hey, by the way, Debo Samuel. Debo Samuel's not practicing with the Niners. Why do you think that is? Okay, why do you think Debo Samuel's not practicing with the Niners and he wants his new contract restructured? Same thing, what's going on with DK Metcalf in Seattle. You know why? He knows what's coming. And he wants his money now. You think because you put Trey Lance in there 
that Debo Samuel is going to be asked to do lesser things or more things for the offense. An inexperienced guy who's not the most accurate guy on the planet. And you're going to put that wide out out there for a guy who struggles in accuracy. And Samuel's numbers will probably go down this year. He knows what's coming. If I was Debo Samuel, I wouldn't want to be in San Francisco. Not with that guy. That guy's not going to help him on what he's trying to accomplish. He's not getting 100 catches with Trey Lance. He's not. You need to go to some place that somebody can get you the ball. And it ain't San Francisco. They had a gimmick him last year, even with Garoppolo. Run him in the backfield, put him in the slot. Jet sweeps. They did everything they could to get him the football last year. And now you got a quarterback who is 19 games of experience from the college game to a couple NFL games. And you think that all of a sudden is going to translate into a pretty competitive NFC West. And you think all of a sudden that guy's going to go from playing against Eagle Creek University, and he was at North Dakota State, and you got to play against the Rams and Jalen Ramsey. Good luck, kid. I want to see that. Debo's going to have to do more. Exactly, Joseph. And he wants to be compensated. Hey, you're going to pay me? You can't just pay that guy. Watch this. You can't pay that guy just as a wide receiver. This is what you got to pay him. This is probably what he's talking to his people about. Look, Tyreek Hill got $25 million. A.J. Brown got $25 million. But you're asking me to run the ball, too. Take more opportunities at getting shots on me. That's got to cost you an extra five. Then you're also asking me to do jet sweeps. Come on, dog. You're talking about a $30 million a year guy. 49ers don't want to pay that. You know why? Because they're in a position now, once they get Garoppolo off the books, that they're going to be able to build their team around a rookie contract the same way that the Eagles are building their team around a $1.1 million contract. Jalen Hurts' value is not as the starter. I don't think people understand that. What do you think Jalen Hurts' biggest asset is as an Eagle quarterback? It's his contract. His biggest advantage that he gives the Eagles is that you can go get a $25 million wideout or a $15 million defensive end slash edge rusher. You can go out and pay for James Bradbury. You can't do all those things if you're paying a guy $47 million. You can't do that. How many teams have you seen with guys with big salaries at the quarterback position with a big money wideout? Cooper Cup had to take less money than what the market dictated so he could stay in L.A. Remember what he said? Hey, I don't need to be the highest paid guy. I'm in a great place with a great coach and a great organization. He'll take care of me. Okay, right? The advantage of Jalen is not his play. It's his contract. That's what the Niners are trying to get to. By moving Garoppolo's $25 million off their 
salary cap. Ruffalo's throwing on the side. They're not going to put him in any kind of scrimmages. Samuel's like this. This guy's my quarterback? Jesus. I don't blame the guy. Be like, damn. I got to sit around here with a training wheels quarterback. Great. Great. All right, real quick here before we get to the NFC East. I want to throw some love out here to the Eagles. I'll tell you something, man. If I'm Jordan Davis, I got Tracy Rocker, an Outland Lombardi, and a second-round draft choice as my defensive line coach. Experience, gone through it, coached him in college when he was at Georgia. Then you got Fletcher. If Jordan Davis doesn't become a star, it's on Jordan Davis. You got Tracy Rocker, who I know and was a teammate of mine, and you got Fletcher. Dude, I would I would eat what Fletcher ate. I would talk like Fletcher. I would go everywhere he went. I'd be like Teflon. I would sit there and watch every single thing that guy does on what it takes to be a professional. I told you this story before. When I got to Dallas and I watched Ed Tutal Jones do this, Ed shows up at practice every day, 12-15. 12-15 every day. Equipment manager had his pads ready. He lotions up. He goes in, 12.25, ankles taped, comes back, stretches till about one every day. I'm watching this. And I asked Ed, I, he goes, Sills, one of the most important things I ever learned was from Bob Lilly. Lilly showed me, you got to get a routine. You get into a routine, everything you do every day, the things you eat. He did that for 17 years. Too Tall did it every year, man. One of the most underrated players and one of the greatest people I know. He did everything like that. Dude, Fletcher Cox and you have Tracy Rocker. These two guys played the game. One's coaching it now. One excelled at it. Man. If I'm Jordan Davis, and I was coached by Kirby Smart in college, and all those great defensive football players, man, I'll tell you what, you talk about a dream life. He couldn't have gone to a better scenario than to go to the Eagles. That is out of this world great. Rocker was a legend at Auburn, a legend. Outland and Lombardi winner. I believe he was a second-round draft choice by the Washington, at the time, Redskins. Dude, he, he's a damn good coach. He played with me in the World League after he got injured. And I love Tracy Rocker. I think he's a fine coach. I think he coached in South Carolina a little bit, too. And, man, you got him and Fletcher Cox. 
Dude, Jordan Davis has no excuses. Get yourself in shape or keep yourself in shape and just listen. If you listen and don't say a lot, that's kind of what a rookie's supposed to do. I'm, I, hey, of all the players that are on that team, Jordan Davis is in the best position he can possibly be in. There's no Seth Joyner for N'Kobe Dean. T.J. Edwards is a good dude, man, I and I think a lot of him. But Fletcher's a mainstay. And you got a coach who was a damn good player in his own right. I'm not so high in the coordinator. We all know that. But, boy, <laughs> you got a lot going for you here, kid. Okay? Hey, hey, Bob. You know what's funny, Bob? I don't want to hear anything about dieting and stuff. That's something that should be built into the kid already. This ain't this ain't college anymore. You got to concern yourself being a professional at all times, eating right, sleeping right, being prepared, watching film. I shouldn't have to tell you that shit. And nor do I want to tell you that stuff. I want that being an innate thing with you. I want that to be something that is I don't have to give you kudos or pats on the back for. You know that thing we always talk about with Jalen? Shows up on time, less guy to I don't care about that stuff. You're an NFL player. You should be doing that. You don't get credit for not robbing a bank. Joseph goes, yeah, but we have Gant. I know, man. I get it. I get it, Joseph. I get it. You're right. Iverson was relentless. One of my favorite athletes of all time. I love Allen Iverson. I'll always be an AI guy. Do you think Pascal can make some noise this year? I do. I do. For, for Sirianni to go after him, I talked to Frank Reich, and you guys know that I'm friends with Frank. I've known Frank 40 years. Frank loved him. Didn't want him to go. But you know what Frank did? Frank wants him to get an opportunity to play and have more playing time. You know, I mean, Nick wanted him. Nick wanted the kid. And so Nick's got his name. It's not a lot of assets. I think it's 1.2 million bucks in salary. I don't think it's a lot that they're surrendering for the guy. Okay. And if he turns out, he turns out. There's a lot of one-year deals here. Okay. A lot of one-year deals here. All right. We take a look before we get Mike Missanelli on with us. Um, the NFC East this year. You know, it's funny. When I tell you guys that I think that the Cowboys are still going to win two games this year, you automatically think that I'm throwing trash at you here when I say that. You have to prove to me you have to beat them still. To sit here and have a fantasy conversation with you, I'm not doing it until you prove it to me. I'm going to prove it to you, guy. Like Howie. What's wrong with Howie giving one-year deals and me having to have it proved to me too? I think you guys want me to have some sort of fantasy conversation with you about what I think may happen this year. Whereas when I tell you something, I'm doing the same stuff Howie does. Prove it to me. Look at all these one-year contracts that Howie has. Howie has these one-year contracts as well. Okay? Prove it to me. Show me. Show me you can do it. 
Show me you can beat the Cowboys. The Cowboys, now look, I do think that the Eagles now, I do believe that the Eagles have closed the gap. I completely believe they have closed the gap. Okay? I think 15 plays, 10 plays in these Cowboy games this year could dictate the winner and loser of these games. Hell, the Eagles may sweep them. I don't think the Cowboys are as formidable because I think they've lost guys in their old line. I think that you lose Amari Cooper. I want to see how that looks without him. That means Dak. I don't think the Cowboys are as formidable against the Eagles and everybody else in the NFC East as they were the last two years. And you'd have to probably go back three years because of the injury year that Dak had. So I would say this to you. That Cowboy-Eagle game, don't, don't, get, go, don't get your panties in a bind here when I say, okay, I think the, the Cowboys are still a team you have to beat. But I do have the Eagles winning the NFC or the NFC East. I have them winning the East. I have the Cowboys second. I think Washington's going to be right there. Washington gets the Penn State wide receiver. They add him on the other side of Terry McLaurin. Antonio Gibson can run the ball. They've improved their old line. I think they got the best coach in the division. And I also think they got the best defense coordinator in the division, Jack Del Rio. And you got Scott Norton. Scott um, Scott Turner as the offensive coordinator in Washington. So Washington's got a good coaching staff, even with all the chaos going on with the owner. Owner's the worst owner in sports, next to James Dolan with the Knicks. Those are the two worst owners in all of sports. And yet, Rivera's on the hot seat because of the turmoil that goes on upstairs. And that does bleed. You know, I was talking to you about how good Tennessee is uh, run by John Robinson, the owner, and the head coach. They got everything working in a great way there in Tennessee. They don't have that going on in Washington, and that's why it's been so that's why it's been so turbulent when it comes to winning ball games, being consistent. The whole Dwayne Haskins, God rest his soul fiasco. Washington's a threat, though. They get Chase Young back, probably the best edge rusher in the division. And I say that even with Micah Parsons, who turned out to be a hell of a player for the Cowboys last year. I think Garoppolo lands in New York. I think Jimmy G is going to be the starting quarterback of the New York Giants come opening day. I do not believe. I think the Giants and the Niners are working out a deal as, as we speak. I think it's got a lot to do whether or not Jimmy Garoppolo is going to be healthy or not for the opener. And I'll say this to you. Hey, you could call Jimmy Garoppolo all the names you want. He is 38 and 16 and Shanahan is seven and 28. He is seven and 28 without him. You can't dispute that. Those are facts. You may think Jimmy throws passes to the opposing team at least three times in a game. And he does. So did Favre. When Favre left the game, he left the game as the all-time leading touchdown thrower and interception guy. That's how Favre played the game. I actually think Garoppolo's interception to touchdown ratio is better than that. So I think the division is going to be a tad bit more competitive than what people think. Like I said, man, 
Scott Turner's a good offensive coordinator. Del Rio's a good D coordinator. Rivera's a heck of a coach. It's going to come down to whether or not that offensive line is good enough in Washington. The Cowboys, I think that gap has been closed by the Eagles. I completely believe they've closed that gap. You lose a couple guys in the O-line, Zeke stinks. He's not the same player he was three years ago. That's been a factor on play action for Dak Prescott. Why do you think Dak, even though they led the NFL in offense last year? The football team, in my opinion, Mari Cooper was a guy that was a security blanket that improved the passing game. Let's see how C.D. Lamb takes over that role. Now he's got one CB1 on him instead of CB2, cornerback two. That's a whole different dynamic. People think, well, you know, I'm going to go out there and I'll have the same numbers. Well, why do you think Odell Beckham was such a main factor last year when it came to them being able to move the sticks? You know why? He's going to bet against the third worst cover guy. That's why Julio Jones is going to be somebody down in Tampa. He got the third worst guy covering me. Right? You got the third worst guy covering me. Well, I want to see that. So, yeah, make, make no mistake about it. I think this division, <clears throat> I think this division, in my opinion, I think that this is going to be a very competitive division. I don't know how much better it is. Okay? I don't. But I do know this, that the Cowboys are not the same football team that they were a couple years ago. We're going to get to Mike Missinelli here in a second. Hopefully we can connect with him here in a minute here. Just telling you guys again, look, the Eagles have the personnel. Do they have the coaching? I still think it's training wheels coaching. Okay. I do. Okay. I think it's training wheels coaching. Sirianni going into a second year. Let's not forget something. Matt Nagy. Matt Nagy was the coach of the year a couple years ago. He got blown out last year because he couldn't move the sticks with Mitchell Trubinsky and he couldn't develop Justin Fields. Okay? And obviously it's going to come down to Carson Wentz. On how well Carson Wentz, he's getting a lot of kudos. Everyone's liking him. I'm hearing a lot of coaching talk, but here's the one thing one more time that I would tell you about Carson Wentz. I would have a mandate that that guy throws the ball into the stands four times a game, and I don't care. Got to stop with that freaking hero ball guy. You got to stop that. Okay? Okay, holding on to the ball, sack, fumble, field goal, touchdown. You put your team in a hole. Bro, that's because you played at nobody you, and you think that you had to carry the mail. This is the NFL. You got to rely on the guys around you. PP says CD is going to shrink under the added pressure. He's emotional and mentally weak. I don't like the fact that Kellen Moore still calling plays. And what was Mike McCarthy brought in for? Mike McCarthy's supposed to be this gifted play caller. And I was told that he was one of the better play callers. They kept Kellen Moore in, same offenses in there. They did lead the NFL in offense last year. I'm not going to deny that. But what's Mike McCarthy in there for? Who's he? Right? Who's he? All right. I've been waiting for this for a couple weeks now. And I'm going to tell you guys this. I have never liked the book more, but hated the story. 
Okay, I've I've never in my life, Mike Missinelli. I, I I I let's bring him on here, Xander. I'm Mike. I hope that that's not that bad of a comment when I say I love the book. Okay, the perfect season. Okay, how Penn State stopped the hurricane and to go on and win the national title. I, I love the book, but I hate the story. It's one of my favorite books, and I share it with everybody. Thanks so much for doing this, man. Uh, I wouldn't like the book either, Dan. I got to be honest with you, because I, I got to think that that loss lives with oh. you guys almost every day. You know what? I got a like, tattoo on my arm, and I'll <laughs> never, I'm going to tell you why it's the 86 season. I'll never forget this. I'm standing there, and Steve Wisniewski goes, we beat you. We freaking beat you. And I'm sitting there looking at these guys. We hold these guys to 160 yards. And you know what's crazy? I'm friends with every one of these guys now, with Shane Conlon. We're all buddies. And it's funny, after all the years, after we moved from that night, there was five seconds left in the game. Jimmy wanted to pull us out because we played so well. And I sat there, and I just looked at Wisniewski, and I go, Man, I can't believe it. And I had so much respect. And Joe Paterno came over to me when we were getting on a plane to go back. He was going somewhere and I was going somewhere. And I'll never forget this, Mike. He goes, you're a hell of a player. You and Jerome Brown remind me so much of salt and pepper. And I was like, who's that? He goes, Millen and Clark. Look them up. And I went like this. And I found out all those years. And I know the stuff that's been said, but. I, I, I love Joe Paterno because he, he put his hand on my shoulder when he didn't have to. And he just goes like this. He goes, look, you should have came to Penn State. I go, you had the black shoes, coach. <laughs> Big Sills has to have white shoes. But it, it, it was just – it's a magical time. And, Mike, you know, that game still to this day is the most viewed game in the history of college football. It is. It, it, you know, it, it, it came to – like a little backdrop of the story. First of all, who, who would have thunk all these years? Like, like I, I kind of – I gave you a- – kind of a starring role in that book. You did. You a lot of golden moments in that book. And years later, here I am on your podcast. I mean, like, the way life works is amazing. Uh, but uh, I was at the game as, a, you know, I'm a Penn State guy. So I was at the game because it was a monster game. And uh, I, I could not believe that you guys could not score on that final drive. And so the more I thought about it, like, it was just the legendary, the, the, the most uh, – uh, uh, the, the ch- most champion-like moment in Penn State sports history. And um, I started to think, I go, you know, Penn State may never win another national championship. And so I thought, I wrote the book after I had talked to a lot of people who shared a lot of stories with me, inside stories about that season, that team, you guys in at at the Fiesta Bowl, all that, all that good stuff, which really sells a book, all the charming stories. And I said, this, this book, if I write this book, will have shelf life because they're never going to win another national championship. So that's the way I kind of wrote it, that this is like this legendary game that might not happen again. But the circumstances of the game came together like it was it was magic. It, you couldn't have like scripted it the way it came together for you guys to play Penn State, both independent and, and the Fiesta Bowl just lurking out there, ready to bid for a number one versus a number two. It was fascinating backstory to it. Oh, absolutely. And, and Mike, the game used to be played where the Outback Bowl is played now, 1130 Eastern. They moved it to January 2nd. They came to us and they go, this is going to be the really first national championship football game. And we were like, let's do it, man. And again, all the years removed. And, you know, me and I'm going to say this, Mike, and it's probably not going to be very popular with people, but 
I don't know the story and the backstories about the things that went on with Joe, but I love Joe Paterno. I, I mean, he came to my home. He recruited me. You know, he looked like my Uncle Bucky. I was sorry sometimes. And he always goes, you should have. And I go, you know, coach, you know, my grandfather wanted me to go to Penn State. And he's like, well, you're a great player. And, you know, it was it, – how do you feel at Joe Paterno all these years removed? Well, I – you know – Listen, I uh, I don't worship at the altar uh, of Joe Paterno, and that that was a dark. You know, it's really funny because I spoke at length with Sandusky for that book because his his defensive game plan was was pretty unique. To, to yeah, Mike, he went in my house and recruited me, and I I told people this: Jerry Sandusky's the greatest defensive coordinator in the history of college football, and I don't have a problem saying that. Okay, yeah, I mean, so he, it's listen, crazy. You know, you know what he did to Vinny? He had seven deep, and Vinny didn't really process it. Uh, but, uh, you know, uh, I, being Italian, <laughs> you know, you know, Thank you. Times you're like older Italians don't want to be bothered with stuff. Right. right? So, like, I, I don't, you know, he, it's funny because he really wasn't that close to Sandusky. And you know, there's a lot of people say, well, he, you know, he had to, he, he had to preserve him because he was so close to him and he was, just, he, he really didn't, associate with him that much but i i think he knew that uh like he didn't want to know about these dirt guarding secrets and now that's his fault but you know how all the italians are they want to hear yeah that stuff. plus it's you uncomfortable know, talk to you know, that era. so so in a lot of ways he, that that was the denial of of joe when it came to that but uh listen you know you talk to his ex-players it, it's funny because you know this so you like coaches that resonate in your life and you don't like them when they're there, but then somehow they pop into your brain later on, and and this lesson that you learn from them. I think he was that type of guy. The guys that played for him didn't like him at the moment; they appreciated him afterwards. And, and I can't absolve him for, right. from, from all that stuff. I, I think there were there were a lot of things that really should have been activated a lot earlier, uh, and that's the fault I think of the president at the time and the athletic director, and and they were trying to protect Paterno from the whole thing. So that, that's the way I feel about it. Let me bring it to modern day then. Since November 9th, 2019, James Franklin's 14 and 13. Gets a $10 million per year deal. What's your take on him? I, I don't like it. Penn State fans for the most part are happy to be there. And I say this with uh, all admiration. If that's you're happy just being there and happy Valley and the whole thing. I'm in it because I like to have the pride of a, being a lump of a college that wins a national championship or is a contender. And so what I hear about Franken all the time is, well, and here's the narrative. He, uh, well, he's a great recruiter, but I don't think he's a great coach on the sidelines. Well, if you're that great a recruiter, are you better than Ohio State? Because that's the standard. Either you have to be better in Ohio State or you're just an average recruiter the way I look at it, right? Because if you're not going to be a contender like Ohio State is every year for national championship, if you're not going to have seven, eight players drafted every year, then how good of a recruiter are you? Agreed, 100%. I think he's overrated. And, I, that, and I'll tell you this, the guy who really turned that whole thing around was Bill O'Brien. And I love how he poured the cement, at least after all the scandal in, the way he made it fashionable, telling kids, hey, if you go to Alabama, you may play a year. You come here, I'm going to give you a shot to play four years. And that's how he sold it. Mike, let me throw you into the Eagles now. Um, I'm not a Jalen Hurts fan. 
because I haven't seen it. And I'm not one of these guys that rubs the lamp and gives you like crystal ball conversations. I look at what the kid's done. And to me, when I watch him play, okay, just because you add four new tires to your Ferrari doesn't mean the engine works. And that's what you get kind of in a way with A.J. Brown. Just because he's out there, that doesn't necessarily mean he's going to find him. I get he's got all these intangibles. But, Mike, it's the NFL. You don't get patted on the back for not robbing a bank. You know? I mean, I, 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 I'm totally with you when it comes to him. Uh, people ask me all the time. And I, and I say, uh, well, I, I just – I have to see more. Like, I, I'm not on either side right now. Like, I right. don't hate him. I don't hate him. But he's got to show that, that he's got to convert a third and eight and stand in the pocket and, and be comfortable with that. I haven't seen that yet. Now, by the same token, the fact that he breaks out of there and, and breaks defense's hearts by converting a first down of those legs is a good thing. I think this year they, they have given him what he needs to, to flourish. And if he doesn't, then you have your answer on the quarterback. Their offensive line is solid. Their receiving core has gotten more solid. Um, you know, the running situation, I don't know what to make of it yet, but – I. He should be better this year, and and we'll know first five, six games whether he's an NFL starter for a contending team. Mike, am I right when I say this, and I've talked to Doug Peterson about this, he told me on Thursdays he had conversations with the general manager, Howie Roseman, when it came to um, game day situations on which players were playing on Sunday. And I'm like this, hang on, you're telling me the general manager – is in your sandbox on Sundays, and he's telling you who's active or not? He's like, Sills, that was my issue with him the whole time. Don't tell me the people I need to play, especially situationally like Belichick. One week you see a guy, Mike, with 200 rushing yards, the next week the guy's inactive. It all comes in matchups, and here's Howie. He's done a great – hey, he's done a great job with the cap. He's done a great job with, with building a team. But, dude, get out of these coaches' sandbox. You think that's one of the issues? Well, look Look who they've hired. I mean, they hired Doug Peterson kind of out of nowhere. With all due respect to Doug, he wasn't a seasoned NFL coach. So they hired somebody that could be a little malleable. Uh, Howie loves to uh, not give up the fact that the players he's brought in or drafted are busts. So uh, with that proviso that, you know, he's going to always support, hey, play this guy. I drafted him. If you don't play him, I'm going to look bad. Sirianni came out of nowhere, too. I mean, that was like a a crazy hire. Uh, But, again, it's a guy who will play ball. Now, Doug, after a while, you know, felt himself and and got tired of playing ball. Uh, But Sirianni's all about it. So uh, until he gets to the point where he's Belichickian, he's going to play ball. But that said, you know, listen, they did a pretty good job. Defensively, they were really weak. And I think they did a really good job filling in some gaps which really kind of glosses over the fact that they didn't get it right in the first place, but at least they tried to rectify it. Mike, I want to tell you, I want to tell you, I get Frank Reich on the show a lot. I know Frank 40 years from, you know, I I first started my college career at Maryland. Then I went to the university of Miami and Frank was my teammate. And I, I listened to this story on Sirianni. So they initially were talking about dealing Wentz to, and Frank confirmed this on our show. They were initially talking about Wentz going to Indy. And I said, who made the call? It's funny, Howard Eskin goes, send me that interview. And I send it to Howard. Howard's like, so wait a minute. It first started with Wentz going to Indianapolis. And then in the process, Doug was still hired. And all of a sudden, Frank was asked questions about Nick Sirianni. And Frank started selling him. 
as that conversation. And all of a sudden, before you know it, I'm like, I'm like you, Mike. I go, Nick Sirianni, the wide receiver coach in San Diego at the time when they were still there. And then now he's a head coach. And then you just put it in what is going on in today's NFL. Kevin Stefanski, you see a lot of these young guys don't have jobs. All of a sudden, they're head coaches. So, I mean, that's a really weird dynamic on how he got that job. Are you a fan of Sirianni? I'm a fan because he's a paisan, so I'm in, <laughs> in a way. But, you know, I mean – I don't know. Well, I listen. I thought it was ridiculous when he when he first came in and listening <laughs> to the stuff he said. It was just kind of laughable that this was an NFL coach. Oh, the seedings. And- yeah, he was doing the, the rock paper scissors, and he's wearing the the players' uh, t shirts and all this kind of Harry horseshit. And uh, <laughs> I just, I, I but I, you know, the more I looked at it, and, and listen, I think it was helped by the fact that their schedule really was conducive to them winning as many games. So I'm not really sold on him yet. I don't know what kind of guy he is yet, but I have to give him last year. They, they held it together to, uh, to win some games and, and they're pretty optimistic about what they can do this year. It was a very odd hire. And uh, his initial press conference was like, I was thinking to myself, if I'm uh, hiring a coach and a guy comes in with that, like he, cause he was so over the top high schoolish. I go, I can't give him the job. But, you know, I, like I said, I don't know what they saw that was different than what I would see. And God bless the guy. I, I mean, I hope he develops into a good coach for Philadelphia Eagle fans' sake. Absolutely, man. Bona fortuna to him. I'm, I'm pulling for him here. But, I mean, holy cow, the Jalen Hurts shirts and the Cowboys shirts. I'm like, I thought I was at a prep rally back in high school, man, getting ready to go down to the Jersey Shore for a couple weeks there. Hey, you well, here's the sure? thing, and you, you know you know this, like – Pro players can't be conned, right? So no. the initial honeymoon is, oh, you win some games. Okay, well, we can put up with uh, Harry High School. And you start losing games, and I start the roll. Look at look at Urban Meyer. I mean, they figured that yeah. stuff out right away. I call him Urban Liar. So, I mean, all the players kind of – they kind of looked at this guy and they yeah. went, come on, this guy's a bunch of BS here. Mm-hmm. Mike, let me go over to the defense again one last time here with yeah. you here. Are you concerned with this brand-new cornerback – you bring in Kaiser White. You bring in Hassan Reddick. You got two new dudes added to the rotation with Kobe and with Jordan Davis here. I mean, do you look at too many faces on that side of the ball? And you got a defensive coordinator that your boy Seth, Seth Joyner, myself, and everybody bashes every single chance we can get. I don't know if you're a fan of the guy, but I don't know how he got a job interview to be a head coach with the well, Texans. Listen, he – he was like a nouveau guy, right? right. He's on the on-deck circle with the head coach. I, last year, he didn't distinguish himself at all. The only thing you can do is to go, okay, they're weak here, weak here, weak here. The only thing you do is add some personnel to, and trust the guy that he's going to know what to do with it. I, I don't know from Jonathan Gannon yet, but the fact that they added pieces where they were obviously weak has to help the guy out, and, and we'll see how he utilizes it. I mean, I don't know what kind of front he's going to run. Uh, because he's got, uh, you know, he's got Hassan Reddick. You know, what position are you going to put him in? Is he going to trust Dean to start? Um, so far, uh, it looks like Dean, they, they like Dean as a starter. So, uh, but it's it's really early. You know, it's up to Gannon. Listen, the thing is, you can't hide. And we'll know, like, right away, okay, wow, they should, they have better personnel. They should be better. If they're not, it must be defensive coordinator's fault. And, you know, in Philly, it cooks pretty hot. Towards that, <laughs> hey, hey, Mike. I'll tell you this. Let me let me give you this above. So, I when I start talking 
to all the Eagle fans here, man. Everyone starts going, don't bullshit us, silly. Listen here. I'm going to tell you flat out of here, man. Okay? I like you. Okay? I, I, I like your show, but I hate you. Okay? I want you to know that flat out and understand this. Don't bullshit anybody. I'm not trying to bullshit anybody. We know how you guys are. I'm like, I'm, my, I, I've never seen more passionate fans, and I've never seen more underrated fans and more knowledgeable fans. Like, these people watch game film. I mean, I got a guy that, that follows and goes like this. Yeah, you know, I just watched the Saints game from, a la- from last year. They ran the ball 38 times, Saleo, and they had 5-1. I'm going, I didn't even watch that thing. I, it's, yeah. it's incredible. Yeah, you know, they're, they're, they're like that. As a sports talk host in Philly, you almost feel like you're on the defensive. Like, they, they want to make the case that, you know, they, they obviously know more than you, and how did you get your job? I should be in your job type of mentality. But, you know, that's the kind of thing you roll with in Philly. Hey, listen, this is a town that hasn't won enough for the size of the city. So people are programmed to let's go. You know, <laughs> we don't have any patience. The Super Bowl is in 2017. Now within you know, in the honeymoon period, but it was short. And, and now you're looking at like, oh, you got to fire this guy. There's absolutely like, Doug Peterson is like, he, yeah, he passed through the night and now it's gone. So let's move on and win something else. Okay, so Mike, you got I had Seth on last week and I said, Hey, look, man, you know Mike's gonna he's gonna light that trash can on fire on you, bro. You know, he he's that guy, you know, and he's like, Well, I can I go, I don't know, man. You know, Paisans know how to get in there, and you know, they my grandfather goes rattle the chain, you know, he can do no horn blowing around Italian guys, and he goes like this, he goes, I can handle Mike. I go, Oh, I want to see this. Hey, look, I can't wait for this, man. Congratulations to you, man. And listen, it's it's our our honor to have you somebody who has been so uh, established in a market like that, that, that we would have you here on our network. And it really is. When I, when I first heard it, I'm like, you got that guy. I go, so one day you're talking to some stiff over here. And the next time you're talking to Mike Messinale, I go, that's pretty awesome, man. So I, I I'm, I'm so looking forward to this post game show. With you well, guys. I appreciate that. I mean, uh, you know, it, it's funny. Cause I was just sitting around and I'm going, you know, maybe it's time to just relax, shut it, shut it down. And uh, you know, like, Work uh, uh, build that ain't a happening. Do, do a winery, like, just, uh, and then all of a sudden, the, uh, the, the opportunity presented itself with Jacob Media, and uh, they said we we would like you to quarterback the show with with Seth Joyner and Derek Gunn. And I said, you know, that sounds like fun. That sounds like it'd be an interesting dynamic. So we had a big press conference to introduce the show, and I know how exactly how to push Seth, Seth buttons because I know how he thinks. So he in, in the press conference, it was almost like we did the show. And, uh, you know, I'm moderating now. I'm in a position now where I'm just going to moderate back and forth instead of, like, coming over the top to give my opinion because I've got Seth there, and I, I can't, like, overpower him. So uh, he, he goes on this rant about how the Eagles don't have any leaders on defense. And so my brow goes up, and all I had to say was two words. And I go to him, I turn to him, I go, Fletcher Cox? And that lit him up for, like, ten minutes on a dissertation about how he didn't think he was a leader at this point. And so that's the kind of that's the kind of trick I'm gonna pull with stuff. I don't I don't have to go back, back at him. I'll just throw a couple of choice words to trigger him. And I think it's gonna be a, a fun dynamic. Absolutely. So wait a minute here. Are you gonna to try to tell me you're not coming off the top rope? I doubt it. <laughs> no, I listen, Dave, let me tell you. I you know, I got these two guys that Derek Gunn has been inside the locker room for a really long time. I got Seth, who's like way uh, overly opinionated, and a next player. So I'm going, I'm just gonna shift it. You know, I'll have some things to say, but I think it, people will be interested more in the dynamic of, of Seth there going with the inside story. And I'll just try to, you know, I'll be the ball breaker. And I'm good at that. 
So Absolutely. Uh, hey, Mike, I, I want to I leave you with this. Tell me one thing about this man here and tell me what you thought of his stay when he was a Philadelphia Eagle. Uh, he, yeah, listen, he, you know, uh, about Jerome, uh, he captured the, the town like right away with his personality, his affectionate personality, the way he played, the way he, he just gave it all. And uh, in Philly, uh, so appreciated a guy like that. It was so tragic uh, the, the way the way it happened. And, uh, you know, he would have been an all-time, all-time, like top five name in Philadelphia had he played his career here. That's how how much he resonated. And, you know, the stories about Jerome that I, that I told in the book and, and you being his teammate are, are just hysterical. <laughs> I, I talked to Michael Irvin for a really long time for the book, and the stories he told about Jerome were just – Fantastic. And you guys would go out to the to the clubs in Phoenix because like I agree with you. Like if you're watching film of Penn State, you got Miami, you're playing for Miami, you go, they can't beat us. We and started I, that's, that's, I, I opened the game, Mike, with a 15 yard. I opened the game with a 15 yard sack. I'm standing over the guy. Jerome gets the third sack. We go back to the huddle and the old line of Penn State's we start laughing. We were just like this. She's Drew yeah, just started yeah. laughing. No, I, I get it. And so that week for you guys was like, okay, we can, you know, we we can win. We're going to win this game. So let's have fun. And so the story Irvin that tells me about uh, going to the clubs in Phoenix. And so we go out in packs of 20. And uh, the, the first guy would come in and go, uh, it was a cover charge at $10 or whatever. You know, the guy behind me's got it. Guy behind me's got it. Guy behind me's got it. The last guy is Jerome Brown. And Urban goes, and who the hell going to tell Jerome Brown to pay a cover? Like, you know, those are just great stories that came out of that. Hey, hey, that Mike, whole. we're at the steak fry, and I'm standing next to him, and he goes like this. Did the Japanese sit down with the Americans before? And I go, no, dude, that's not the story. That's not the story. I go, you got this thing backwards, guy. <laughs> No, it was classic. I mean, you guys made it really easy for me to write that book. It's one of the absolutely greatest books that define, and I talk to Jimmy Johnson about that all the time, and I go, I've never read a book that defined who we really were. He wouldn't talk to me. Jimmy, Jimmy wouldn't? wouldn't? The, he would not talk to me for the book. That loss hurt him so bad. Oh, yes. Or, or Vinny wouldn't talk about it ever. Let me tell you, Mike, um, J Jimmy says this, it, it's the loss that taught him how to win games. He said that loss to this day is the most painful moment in his entire coaching career because, hey, 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 Mike, we go into the locker room, everyone's in tears. And I'm sitting there and I go like, and, I'm, and I go like this. Now we win the national title next year, but I'm sitting there and I go like this. I'm looking around the room. I see Highsmith and I see all these first round guys. And we just sat there, and I'll, like I said, I'll never forget Paterno coming into our locker room, going, you guys are one of the greatest teams of all time. We kind of took it – at the time, you don't want to hear it. Yeah. But then you think about it later on, and you're like, you know, Joe didn't have to do that. And there were so many great storylines. I mean, the president made a halftime. That whole thing was such a dynamic yeah. moment, and I'll never forget that moment as long as I live. Even though – it's funny, Shane Collins like this – Sills, don't you remember me shaking your hand? I go, I don't remember anything after that game except for Penn State people going, we got you. Mike, thank you so much, brother. I appreciate it. Hey, I can't wait to this postgame show, man, and I'm so glad that you're part of what we're doing here. Thank you so thank much, you, my Dan. friend. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. You got it. Mike Missanelli here, legendary sports talker with the Philadelphia folks. And, guys, you know him better than anybody.
that's good stuff. I can't wait for the upcoming season here too. So Eagle football right around the corner. Don't forget our friends at Morgan and Morgan, please hit the like button, by the way, where the fee is free. Hey, know this. If you're hurt or injured on the job, one of the most important things that you could possibly have is this Morgan and Morgan behind you for the people. It's not a slogan. It is who they are and what they do. They've collected over $13.5 billion over 30 years for their clients. That's who they are. Over 800 attorneys and offices in Philly, New York, and in Florida make them the number one law firm in the entire country. That's right. Look, the call is free. The consultation's free. 800-512-1600. That's 800-512-1600. Look, open 24-7, seven days a week. And when you call Morgan & Morgan, do me a favor, tell them Big Sill sent you. When choosing a lawyer for your injury case, you may ask, does the size of the law firm matter? Well, of course it does. The insurance company, they're huge with unlimited resources. And whether your case is big or small, they're built to bully you out of the money you're owed. But here's the good news. We're big too, the biggest actually. And we're built to fight to make them pay for all that was taken from you. Size is our strength. There's only one Morgan & Morgan, forthepeople.com. Go for the pulse and the pools. Go for the ooze and the ahs. Go for the bubbles and the bubbly. Go for the story and the stories. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. Action News at 11 with Rick Williams. It's the team you trust to bring it all together. The stories that impact your community. A sports roundup for the locals. And the AccuWeather forecast you depend on. Action News at 11 with Rick Williams. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass, free. What's that? Uh, a rocks glass? You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. Holy shit. And you're telling me I can get one of these glasses for free? That's right. One free rocks glass per customer with each first-time purchase of Stateside Vodka. So good, it just disappears.
Welcome back. National Football Show. It's your boy, Big Sills. want to thank Mike Missinelli for coming aboard with us. Tomorrow, we will have John Kincaid from 97.5 The Fanatic, The Morning Man, on tomorrow. We'll have him at 3.30. So he'll be here with us talking some Eagle Ball here with you guys, too. So we know them all in Philly. It's crazy, isn't it? We know them all, man. I mean, it's crazy. Mike was great, man. He really was. By the way, James Franklin, since November 9th, is 14 and 13. That guy makes $10 million a year. He makes almost the same money Nick Saban makes. How is that guy making that kind of money at a place like that? He's the most overrated coach in the Big Ten. I used to think it was Jim Harbaugh. It's him. How can you have all those resources and not win more? Bill O'Brien did a hell of a job there. Coming out of the Joe Paterno nightmare and all that BS. Selling the school. Make it fashionable again to go to Penn State. That guy is not a good coach. He's overhyped. He's overrated. The school is woke when it comes to that position right now. You need a coach that can, in my opinion, recruit better. Where's Penn State in recruiting? That used to be one of the greatest things that Paterno did. And by the way, just so you know, I am a Joe Paterno fan. Do I excuse him and all the things that went on under his program? Absolutely not. I've always said this, you know, when you stay at a place too long, and that's anything, you become a villain. You become a villain. You could be revered as the most powerful person in Pennsylvania, which he was. Nobody could tell Paterno what to do. This guy was more powerful than the governor. But at the end of the day, Joe Paterno stayed too long. He wanted that record so bad, the most wins cost him his legacy. All the things he did at that program, all the men that he helped develop into being great men, He sold a little bit of his soul to make that happen. And in the end, he compromised himself. That's a damn shame for everyone involved. The victims, him, the school, the reputation, his legacy, all of it. Everyone's a victim. College football's a victim. College football was great when Penn State was a viable team every year. Okay? Joe Paul walk on water. He said one of the, I've posted this. Joe Paterno said I was better than Jerome. Jimmy Johnson, it's a quote by both of them. I've posted it before on my Twitter page. I don't know if it's true or not in his eyes. It wasn't a reality. Jerome was better. But it was cool of him to say, Stayed at Penn State too long. That was his undoing, you know? And then he didn't have the most important thing you could possibly have. He didn't have somebody in the building telling him no. Can't do that, Joe. You know, Jerry Sandusky came into my house and recruited me. And Jerry Sandusky, I'll say it to you again, is one of the greatest defensive coordinators in the history of college football. Isn't it funny, though? You look back at that game and that night, like Mike chronicled in his book, The Perfect Season. Um, 
they were calling us animals. They were calling us out. They were calling us villains. And the number one villain was on the Penn State sideline. Look at how history is. And we're all friends. By the way, I'm friends with Shane Collin. I'm friends with Steve Wisniewski. I'm friends with DJ Dozier. We shared a night that still remains the most watched college football game in the history of the sport. Over 100 million people watched us that night. Crazy, huh? No game has come close. Well, I think the 1980 Rose Bowl, they said, had a 22 share. We had a 23 share. Over 100 million people watched us that night. It was the first national title game of its kind. They moved the bowl game to January 2nd. Fiesta Bowl was traditionally 11.30 Eastern time game. They moved it to the 2nd, and they moved it to 6 o'clock. It was a massive um, advertising sun kiss. The president was there. President Reagan, I believe, was there. Don't quote me on that, but I know he made a comment because he was there. Bob Hope was there. Um, Bob Costas was there. The whole thing was set up like a Super Bowl. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. We will reset. I want to take a look at the quarterbacks that are in the NFC East. A little more comments about some NFL storylines. Please hit the like button. Hour three. Keep it here on the National Football Show. Go for the polls and the pools. Go for the ooze and the oz. Go for the bubbles and the bubbly. Go for the story and the stories. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. Action News at 11 with Rick Williams. It's the team you trust to bring it all together. The stories that impact your community. A sports roundup for the locals. And the AccuWeather forecast you depend on. Action News at 11 with Rick Williams. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass. Free. What's that? Uh, a rocks glass? You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. Holy shit. And you're telling me I can get one of these glasses for free? That's right. One free rocks glass per customer with each first-time purchase of Stateside Vodka. So good, it just disappears.
three national football show. It's big sales. I love what Mike Missinelli said. He made me a star in his book. I did have a starring role in his book. Sander was reading some of the excerpts and he's going like this. Wow. He did, man. He made Jerome and I a star in that book. He made us look like the biggest villains. Funny how that plays out. Just like Mike said, who would have ever thought January 2nd, 1987, Mike's in the building. He writes this great book, which was a number one bestseller, New York Times. And he makes Jerome and I out to this, to be these giant villains. And you, hey, by the way, do you know one of the reasons why Jerome got drafted to the Eagles is because after he got a sack against Penn State, Jerome did the salute and Buddy loved that. Buddy loved that. I posted a picture of Buddy Ryan at our practice. Buddy came down for our practice. It was his first year in Philadelphia in 86. And he came down and he loved Jerome right away. And he goes, I like this kid. Silly OU, I don't know. <laughs> and I was like, what? <laughs> he goes, I don't know if I can handle two of you guys. Oh, it was really cool, man. Thinking about how our lives now kind of, isn't it? funny how your life crosses paths with people you've never met that's the first time i've ever spoken to mike first time ever and i've had that book brought up a million times silly is this really how it was and i go yeah was i created the outlaw image of miami jerome and i created that we wanted that i wanted you be afraid of us when we walked on the field I wore a Hell's Angels jacket at a press conference once because I wanted everybody to be afraid of us, and they were afraid of us. You see these crazy guys dominated by African-Americans and this crazy-ass coach whose hair never moved walking into your building? We frightened the bejesus out of you. We talk shit. See, everyone thinks sports talk and the radio and my career with that, that all started when, you know, I started getting into broad. I, I did that my entire life. I talk shit. This is not anything new. I used to do this when I played. Like when I put, if I was playing against Alabama, we would be Ali with them. Uh, these guys think they're good. Let's go play 60 minutes of ball. I was talking shit to everybody. So was Jerome. And Mike chronicled that. And yes, there's an excerpt in the book that says Cilio, every chance he had, contributed to the outlaw image of Miami Hurricane football. That's one of the reasons why the school has a cow with me. It's because I fostered that. I nurtured that. I wanted everyone to think we were the baddest dudes on the planet. Okay? I wanted everyone to know that. I wanted to intimidate people, and we did. You know, I mean, that's part of ball, man. Well, you don't think every time Alabama throws her helmet on the field that people aren't intimidated by that helmet when they see it? Damn right they are. How about when you when you see Tom Brady step on the field? Are you intimidated by it? You should be. Because you know that automatically this guy's in every game, no matter what the team looks like, who's injured, who's not. Brady is intimidating. 
but he intimidates you with a smile. Something to be said about that. That's a part of the game that it's kind of escaping people today because we're in this new society where you can't say shit. Can you imagine saying this about a college football team like ours? Nothing but 80 gangsters. Or what were they calling us? Outlaws, criminals. You imagine saying that about 80% dominated black roster of football players and calling us criminals. You can't even use the word posse today. We're getting off of an air. Hey, Xander, we're getting off of an airplane with hand grenades and real life guns without the clip in them. I black camouflaged pants. We're walking off to do battle against Penn state. Can't do that shit today. It's not happening. We were all characters. Miami federal prison. Sure. All that stuff was said back in the day. My daughter to this day goes, dad, you're a her gangster. No, I'm not a hurry gangster. <laughs> yeah. Please hit the like button. I appreciate everybody coming. Shut up, Carlos. That's the worst loss in my life. Be quiet, Carlos. Do not mention the Tennessee game. We were drunk for that game. Convicts. Can, hey, Steven. Hey, guys. Can you imagine saying convicts versus Catholics today when we play Notre Dame? Calling us convicts. They made t-shirts with that. Convicts versus the Catholics. <laughs> oh, God, I loved it. Oh, my God, I loved it. Convicts versus Catholics. Yeah, when you get your ass kicked 58 to 7, you need to do something. Convicts versus Catholics. Oh, I forgot about that one. Oh, man, that was so Great how people looked at us. Hit the like button. Joseph goes, now it makes sense. That's how Sills is getting those great guests. Intimidation, knew it. Oh, what? You think I browbeat him into coming on the program? Great. Thank you, Joseph. Jesus, criminy. All right, let's reset. Also, let's take a look at the NFC East. Hey, I'm looking. So let me get this right. So the Eagles called off practice today? Did the Eagles call off practice? Dion, that was such a racial stereotype game. Oh, my God, Dion, was it ever. I mean, the stuff they said about our black players was offensive. Was offensive. It really was. It was offensive. It, it, the newspapers were littered with it. It was offensive. I, I, I defended every single one of them too, man. I mean, they would say some, hey, and you know what they thought they would do one day? We went to the Cotton Bowl one year. They thought they would give these black players from the South a bale of cotton because it was the Cotton Bowl, and they thought it was funny. That's why they got their asses kicked in that game, Texas Longhorns. They got their ass kicked in that game because you ain't handing out bales of cotton to black kids from the South. <laughs> that ain't going to work. You imagine they, you're handing black kids a bale of cotton. Okay. <laughs> Those guys too, Miami guys. No way. 
that ain't working. Ronnie, Dan, do you think that all the side antics played a role in the loss? No. Vinny had a bad game. Ronnie, tell me this, Ronnie. How could it have played a role in the game when Jerome and I held Penn State to seven first downs and 160 yards in total offense? And we had 500 yards in total offense. Do you understand something? We had more turnovers. Or no, excuse me. We had as many turnovers in the game as Penn State had first downs. We had seven turnovers in the game with two fumbles and five picks, and they had seven first downs. So how could that have played a factor? Jerome and I killed that team. We killed them. They were never, like, it was interceptions on the 10, on the 5. So, no, I don't. I just think Vinny had a bad game. The Heisman Trophy winner that night had a bad game. And, and Ronnie, I'll tell you this. Five seconds left in the game, Jerome and I are standing on the bench and we're watching the last play on the offense. Jerome turns to me. We're on the 10 going in with about 20 seconds left. And Jerome goes, you think he throws a pick? I go, I do. Next play, Giffenopolis interception. He looked at me and he sat down. He goes, son of a bitch. I said to him, I go, man, would you think he was going to throw a touchdown after throwing five picks? What would you think he was going to do? Okay. They had seven first downs. We had seven turnovers and we lost by four. <laughs> Think of that. That's why it kills me to this day. That game kills me to this day. How do you surrender for seven first downs? Seven. We had 28 and lose. Well, you have seven picks or five picks and seven turnovers. Oh, we were, we were so dominant. We could throw like four intercepts. Hey, he threw five just to be just to be fair. Yeah, it was five interceptions that he had in that game. Hawk says, Hurts reminds me of Russell Wilson. No, Hawk, you mean Hurts reminds you of Flip Wilson. Okay, not Russell Wilson. Flip Wilson, get it right, okay? There's nothing close to Russell Wilson. He's kind of close to Flip Wilson, okay? But not Russell Wilson. (laughs) Yo, Sills, what's going on with Dolphins in their camp? Hey, man, they love what's going on with Tua Tugaviola. I started the show out by saying I think he's going to have a breakout year. Joseph, you suck there. <laughs> gaming, Flip Wilson, come on. Hey, that's okay, gaming. Nobody knows who Flip Wilson is under the age of 100. <laughs> that's right, Timothy. Who's Flip Wilson? I get it. Okay. What was – no practice stats today, GT. They took the day off. Okay, they took the day off again. I think what Nick's going to do is I think they went to Starbucks today. And I think they're they're um, they're like talking about mochas, chocolate mocha, coconut mocha, like right Neapolitan mocha, like, you know, raspberry mocha. I think that's what I think that's what they're doing, man. 
they're talking about mochas today because, you know, Nick's got to take them off the ball a little bit, you know, because practice is so hard, those 15 minutes that they go. 15 minutes of practice and they're out the door. Like I said, I was listening to Sports Take earlier, and I kind of think that the sports reporter guy from the Inquirer, I'm going to get to the Inquirer before I get to the NFC East here in a minute. I, I, I think he was half kidding. What's his name? Xander McClain? Is that his, he, he was really great, too. And like I said, Jeff McClain, I was, I was watching him, and I thought he really gave a lot of insight. That was a pretty good interview, man. I was, I, was, I was impressed with the guy, and he looked like he was really plugged in, too. And so he's like, yeah, man, I mean, you know, they're out there 15 minutes. I don't know. <laughs> I was like, what? Oof. How do you feel about Carson? Hope the knee's strong. I'm going to get to him. I heard some comments made by other people inside the NovaCare Center about him. Dude, Jalen Waddle's a great player. 104 catches, 1,000 yards last year. Thank you, Joseph. I know, man. Buck Center just tore his ACL. Wow, is that a massive injury. Man, is that a big injury. Get this disrespectful F off air Flip Wilson. If you're going to be that kind of guy, Bird Gang General 17, try speaking English. Okay? That might help. Boy, Brady loses his center. Massive loss. Massive loss. Those hurricane teams were great. Those hurricane teams could Alabama couldn't beat those hurricane teams. Okay? Andre Johnson, Michael Irvin, and Jim Kelly, our quarterback. Line that up. And Frank, hey, watch this. Over the last 20, 30 years, I'll put this. Andre Johnson, Michael Irvin, Jim Kelly, and tell me anybody Alabama has that's close to that. They don't. <laughs> this dude really hates Hurts. I don't hate him. If I hate somebody, you'll know. TKO Taylor. I know who Flip Wilson is. He's a comedian. I don't get this negative energy about Hurts. Wow. Sounds like we're going to sit around and smoke the hookah here. Negative energy? <laughs> Hey, man, this negative energy about Jalen is just a little too much for me to handle, man. I can't handle it. You can't handle the truth. Pass the hookah, dog. I know who Flip Wilson is. <laughs> Thank God. Is <laughs> Hurts a $45 million a year quarterback? Are you freaking kidding? He's a bag of donuts. <laughs> okay, here. Watch this. Let's take a look at the NFC East. Okay. What does Rocky hey, what does Mickey say? Hey, he's a tomato. <laughs> he's a tomato. I just want the season to start. Major Harris was pretty good. Who the 
played in two national title games, Florida, Major Harris. He was good. Hey, oh, the West Virginia kid. He was good, man. He was good. Yeah. A tuna sandwich. What will he need to do to be a $45 million a year guy? Okay. Do you guys remember the bionic man back in the day where they said that we can rebuild him and that, you know, he got like a new arm, two new legs, you know, and, you know, they kind of, we can rebuild him. And, you know, the bionic man, you know, he's a $6 million man and all that, you know. Well, if you could do something like that to his arm, possibly, then he could be a $45 million a year guy. Or if you could do like some type of surgery to take his head off and put it on Brady's body, something like that, that might work. Lee Majors, thank you. I love that show too. <laughs> I got, I, hey, the six million, I can't believe people know the six million dollar man. I totally love that. You guys know the six million dollar man. Thank you very much. Making sure my references just don't go to hell. So we got to get Frankenstein. You got to have Dr. Frankenstein, and Nick Sirianni's not Dr. Frankenstein. Joseph goes, Dan, stop. Dude, wait, are you guys talking about? Wait a minute, gaming. Tom House fixed his arm. <laughs> oh, but he's like, Dr. Andrews? Hey, you know, we go in here and we, like, you know, then we fixed Jalen's arm. What'd you do? Make it accurate? <laughs> well, yeah, I fixed his arm. <laughs> how, did, how did he fix his arm? Right? I love that show, too. Now he's Joe Bag of Donuts. Sills, when we win those 12 games and Jalen throws for 4,000 yards, ain't happening. Ain't happening. Ain't happening. He ain't throwing for 4,000 yards. This guy's throwing for 3,600 yards tops. 20 touchdowns. 10 picks. And they're still going to win the East. What are you crying about? You're going to win the East. Why are people crying so hard Hey, wait, why are you talking? Yeah, right. Hey, and why? Why is he talking shit on Jalen? I'm not talking shit. Your team's going to win. Why can't you be happy with one of them? I'm giving you one of them. You guys are going to win the East. You may win 12 games. What's your problem? So is you calling it? No, absolutely, Paul. You ain't getting 4,000 passing yards. What are you, crazy? Flex goes, that's not good enough. Wait a minute. Flex, you want everything, right? Now you sound like my wife. I want everything. I want a, a great party. I want a great trip. I, want, I mean, hey. I don't care if we win the East in a playoff game. <laughs> what do you, GT. 3,826. TDs, 31 total, 31 total touchdowns. Okay, five rushing. Gaming, if he does that, that's a damn good year for him. For him. Dan, why are you trolling these? I'm not, how am I trolling these guys when I'm telling you you're going to win the NFC East? You're going to get to the NFC Championship game. How in the world are you taking it as a negative? Since the cell, hey, Javon, since the center goes down in Tampa, does that move the Bucks down a bit and the Eagles up? That's a significant loss, my friends. 
Okay? That is. That's a significant loss. Be like Jameis Winston eating dubs. Jameis Winston's a better quarterback than Jalen is. You, do, how many people don't think that? Let me take a look at that. How many people think that Jalen's a better quarterback than Jameis? It's a huge loss. It is. Okay, hold on here. How many people think Jalen's a better quarterback than 30 interceptions? That's how you look at that? In, in a big-time turnover offense with Bruce Arians, even Brady had to get him off the ledge on throwing, no biscuit, no, you know, right? Don't risk it, no biscuit, you know? Had to get him off that. Jameis Winston's stats. Boy, Jalen had nine picks last year. 434 attempts. If he had thrown the ball as many times as Brady did last year, he would have had 20 interceptions himself. What the hell are you talking about? What, are you crazy? Okay, here we go. Here's Jameis Winston's numbers. Wait, I got to see this. Who's a better who's who's a better quarterback, Jameis Winston or Jalen? Jalen way better. Jalen, no doubt. The Saints won with no more than Bro, they were five and one when he went down. Nine, eight, thirty. Okay. Hurts. Jalen. Here's Jameis Winston's numbers. First year in the NFL, 4,042 passing yards. 26 touchdowns. Second year, 4,090. 28 touchdowns. Third year, missed three games. 3,504. Next year, only played in nine games and had 3,000 passing yards. 19 touchdowns and five picks. The next year, 5,109. 33 touchdowns. Yes, the 30 picks. You guys forgot the 33 TDs. And had the most attempts. And had the most yards per game at 319 yards. And still had a quarterback rating at 85, even with 30 picks. You think Jalen Hurts will ever come close to any of those numbers in your entire life? You're high. You are high. You think he throws for 5,000? Oh, my God. Yeah, in two years. Jameis Winston threw for 5,100 yards. It's like only six guys ever to do it. Come on, man. Are you crazy? Jalen Hurts throws the ball 627 times. He'll have 25 interceptions. He'll have 25 picks. List of starting receivers from each of those teams. <laughs> oh, it, it's all the receivers. So wait a minute. Brady has Amendola and Edelman and Deion Branch who are nobodies. 
And Brady, Brady has all those great players. If he's a great player, man, he makes everybody great. So are you trying to tell me Devontae Smith last year wasn't good? Jalen will never have 30 picks. Jalen will never have 30 touchdowns. Cilio, I might be high, but think Hertz will have 5,500 yards and 45 TDs. Book it. I can't believe I just read that. I just wasted two seconds of my life doing that. <laughs> hey, Xander said this. You're going to have to go to drug rehab, guy. <laughs> Dude, okay. You're going to have to go to drug rehab, okay? You're going to have to go to drug rehab. There, there's a great dude, okay, in Cherry Hill. We know him. Okay, we'll help you out. I know the guy there too. Randy Grimes is a dear friend of mine. He's going to hook you up. Yeah. It, it, it's called denial. <laughs> That's the name of the joint. <laughs> I say 28 touchdowns, 4,100 4, yards, man. So you're going to improve 1,000 yards. Stop acting like Jameis wasn't the number one overall pick. Oh, you mean like Baker? You mean like Baker Mayfield? He's the number one overall pick. He was kicked out of town. By the way, did you see what Amari Cooper said about Deshaun Watson, the guy that you guys didn't want? Man, he's magical. Look it up. It's a quote. Man. I can't believe how magical Deshaun is. You think they're going to be saying that about Jalen this year? How magical he is? Of 15 minute practices? What receiver did Jameis make better? Well, I don't know, man. Somebody got somebody got the yards. Do for 5,100 yards, 33 touchdowns. Somebody got it. The magician. See, the one thing you like about Deshaun. Hey, man, this guy can throw the ball. And he could throw his game around on Instagram, too. <laughs> hey, the creep factor's high with him. I don't know. I'm going to leave it there. This guy's creep factor's high. I'm with you, okay? If I'm hey, this guy does more reading Instagram bios than he does his playbook. I don't know. Okay. Dude, the guy's a creep show. I'm with you. Did the Saints have the number one rushing offense? What's the number one offense got you? Rushing offense. What did it get you? One dimensional. Yeah, it couldn't throw. You're 27th in passing. You're 27th in passing. Jalen needs a heck of a lot more than 15 minutes of practice. That's what I'm saying. And that's not even on the kid. How are you going to try to get that guy better, man, when you're not doing anything? And look, people are going to – some of you guys are already saying it. Look at a center for the Buccaneers. He ends up getting hurt because they're practicing hard. How do you know that? How do you know he didn't practice? How do you know he didn't get hurt in helmets and shorts? I don't know that yet. I have to see that how he got injured. He just may be helmets and shorts too. Hey, I know this. Steven, last year, Jameis Winston was 5-1 and one before he went down had a higher quarterback rating than Brady. And let's not forget something. 
Did Brady beat the Saints since he's been in the NFC South yet in the regular season? Has Tom Brady beat that Saints team in the regular season? I don't I mean, did, didn't like Brock Osweiler or somebody beat him last year? Some stiff beat him. Right? Hawk, if Brady was in the Philly offense, Brady would throw for 50 touchdowns. With that running game, then again, Miles Sanders wouldn't be playing. Okay? Brady throw 50 touchdowns in that Philly offense. 50. He'd throw for 5,000 yards in that offense. Okay? Can Hurts average two touchdowns a game? GT. That's <laughs> quite a statement. From a guy who had 16 last year. That defense does, Stephen, give them fits, man. And that really comes down to why I think that Allen got the head coaching job. I think he got the head coaching job, in my opinion, because of what he did against Brady. Oh, yeah. Hey, I got to talk about the quarterbacks in the NFC East. I want to do that. Please hit the like button. Keep it right here on the National Football Show. Go for the polls and the pools. Go for the ooze. And the Oz. Go for the bubbles. And the bubbly. Go for the story. And the stories. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. Action News at 11 with Rick Williams. It's the team you trust to bring it all together. The stories that impact your community. A sports roundup for the locals. And the AccuWeather forecast you depend on. Action News at 11 with Rick Williams. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass. Free. What's that? Uh, a rocks glass? You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. Holy shit. And you're telling me I can get one of these glasses for free? That's right. One free rocks glass per customer with each first-time purchase of Stateside Vodka. So good, it just disappears.
Welcome back. National Football Show with your boy, Big Seals. Please hit the like button. Thank you guys so much for coming aboard. Tell you how I'm going to attack this Eagle defense. I'm going to throw the ball against them. I'm going to throw the ball against that team. I want to see that secondary. Just because you added pieces doesn't work. How many times you buy something, you got to put it together, and you've got to put, you know, like you go to um, – some store that like Nikia or something like that, it's called right where you got to put everything and assemble it together. That's kind of what the Eagles are where you go to a place. It's not assembled and you got to assemble it. How many times you have different screws, you have a washer, not all the pieces you put on it. You didn't really put it all together. Just right. Same thing here with the defense. I want to see that secondary. That kid they got from San Francisco, I don't know. Okay? James Bradbury was a pro bowler two years ago. You make it sound like he was a pro bowler last year. He didn't play well last year. That's why the Giants let him go. So you got two guys in your secondary that organizations decided to move on from. James Bradbury and the safety from San Francisco. So you're basically getting some dudes like castoffs. And you think because you added them on the Philadelphia Eagles that they're going to be better players because of Jonathan Gannon's brilliance as a DC. I don't believe that. I'm going to throw the ball on that team. Can't run on them. Well, no, not with those guys in the middle. They're too big. They're too dynamic. Hardgrave's a good player. So is Fletcher. So is Jordan Davis. They're going to man that middle, man. So you're going to have to throw the rock on them. And personally, I think you know how Gannon's going to have a problem? I think Gannon's going to have a problem figuring out how to use Hassan Reddick. He's 6'1", 235. Do you understand that Derrick Henry's bigger than that guy? And if you think you're going to play him in a 4-3 and you're going to line him up over tackles or tight ends, he'll get destroyed by week 17. I want to see that guy put it. I'm not – hey, by the way, there's a reason why two teams have passed on them in two consecutive years. Look at what you have on defense. Look, do I think these are talented kids? I do. Do I think they've upgraded? I do. That's why I'm more impressed with the Eagles now is because of what they've done defensively. But still, you have to have this in the back of your mind. If you're talking to me about Carson Wentz being on a third team in three years, same thing with Hassan Reddick and his college coach passed on him. They didn't know how to use him in Arizona. They had him inside. They were getting him killed. They finally moved him outside when Chandler Jones got hurt. All of a sudden, he turns into a pass rusher. Okay. Reddick 6'1". He's 235. You think you're going up against Lane Johnson like that? Every single Sunday? 6'5", 6'6", 338? Come on, man. You get worn down just by the war of attrition alone. I hate. I don't believe Gannon's going to know how to put all these pieces on the board. Okay, like I said. Uh, just because you got the kid that played a lot of football in San Francisco, coaches did pass on him. See you later. Goodbye. Bradbury, 
eh, you know, the Giants passed on him, and they let him go in the same division. Tells you a lot, too. Kaiser White, why would a football team that's starving for defensive football players at the linebacker position with the Chargers let that guy go? If he's such a tackling machine. Okay, another guy. You know, you're like, you always question why teams let good players go. Most of the time, you don't see this. Well, I'm going to let a really start. Look, I'll tell you one that doesn't make sense is A.J. Brown. How do you let a 25-year-old guy like that leave your building? Is unbelievable. You let that guy loose. You know, look, if that guy's 31 years old, I kind of understand that. You don't let a 25-year-old guy like him go. Especially when you got a football team with a bear like that back there running a ball in Derrick Henry. And you know that he's part of the equation on success of the team over the last three years. The guy's 33 and 13 for a reason. AJ's part of that. You let him walk out the building, dumb as you can get. Tyreek Kill, you know who's going to suffer from that the most? It's not going to be Patrick Mahomes. It's going to be Travis Kelsey. Why do you think Travis Kelsey was wide open underneath with all them passes that Patrick Mahomes made to him? Because everybody was in fear of Tyreek Hill getting behind him and giving up the plus 25. You don't have anybody in the building right now in Kansas City that threatens that. I'm not threatened by anybody you have on your roster right now. Give a shit what they say. And he could sell all these other guys all he wants. I'm not threatened by that. I'm threatened by that guy in Miami. Kelsey's going to suffer because of him not being there. You could bet your ass on that. I'm going to throw the ball on the Eagles. Last year, it was a sieve. You guys keep telling me how great Darius Slay is. How come I saw record-breaking passing performances against the Eagles secondary? Passing, like... 90%, 78%, 86%. Okay, it's called the salary cap? Really? So all of those guys were victims of salary cap, and that's how the Eagles benefited. That's what you're telling me. Bradbury's a salary cap. What is it? Tarf? His salary cap. Hassan Reddick, salary cap. So you got five guys that were victims of salary cap. And it also happens it landed on the one-year wonder, prove it to me, contracts that Howie Roseman gives out. It's quite a coincidence. That Derek Carr game was abysmal. Lewis, he was 90%. Okay. CT, Philly fan. How did Slay have great numbers when that secondary was destroyed? Oh, they went away from him. Okay, fair enough. You want to look at it like that? That's fair. Look at Hawk, man. Keep it going, brother. Keep it going. Hassan is on a multi-year deal. Third team in three years. And your college coach passes on you. 
Nothing? Probably not. 61235 is tough to figure out. It's not an every down guy. By the way, he's limited on covering tight ends. So you're not going to put him like you see with Micah Parsons. He's not Micah Parsons. Micah Parsons can actually cover a back and a tight end. This guy's not all that hot doing that. I've seen him. I've seen film on him. He's a strictly get-around-the-corner pass rusher. He's a one-dimensional guy. How's Gannon going to put him on the field? Now, John McMullen's right. Most of the time, you are a nickel. So he's going to be on the field probably 75% of the time. But on first and second down, he's a liability. If I see Hassan Reddick playing in a forefront, or if I see him, I'm going to run right at his ass. One, it wears him down. That's what they used to try to do to Lawrence Taylor. Couldn't run away from him. Best thing you could do is run at him. Try to beat him up. Hurt him. Keep putting Joe Jacoby on him. Run that guy straight at him. You can't run away from Taylor. He'd run you from behind. Slay was the only good thing in the secondary last year. Dan, you're expressing exactly my concerns about the Eagle defense. And now the new additions, big question marks to me. Andrew, there's two sides of that, though. There's question marks, but they can pan out. Jeremiah says, get to your point. I think you got a lot of question marks on that side of the ball. You guys just think you plug in a spark plug. It's going to rev the engine up. Hassan would be a spectacular. Hey, Dion, Hassan would be a great fit in Pittsburgh. Okay? Cleveland, too, maybe. Nicobe Dean, I'm going to be interested. Hey, you know why Nicobe Dean's going to excel? Look at the beef you have in front of him. Jesus Christ, you got 700 pounds of guy in front of him. <laughs> At one time or another, you can have Jordan Davis and Fletcher in there as your two defensive tackles. You could have 700 pounds of dude in there. Hey, man, who wouldn't want to play behind that? I got 700. One of them's Fletcher, too. I got 700 pounds of dude. <sighs> I don't think anybody's hitting me. I think the pieces are there. Gannon is. Yeah, Joseph. Joseph. You know, I'm, I'm just saying the questions about the players that they've acquired, too, are not brought up enough. Well, the Giants did pass on him. It didn't have a problem with him going inside the division. <clears throat> okay. Could it have been a transition because of the new general manager? Dave Gettleman stunk as GM for the Giants. Stunk. Five years to build an off offensive line. He couldn't find one O-lineman. And the Eagles have seven. That's a testament to the Eagles and their coaching. Look at that. The Eagles have seven quality offensive linemen. And the Giants don't have one. How's that possible? <laughs> hey, the Eagles are a factory. Look, if if there's organizations that know how to churn out wideouts and know how to develop particular positions, the Eagles are – you know what's funny? The Eagles under Jeffrey Laurie have gone from being an offensive line that was non-existent under the Randall Cunningham years to being a factory. A factory. 
got seven guys that could start anywhere in the league. Seven. You got seven starting old linemen? Dude, there's there's teams that have two decent guys. Look at what the Bengals went to the Super Bowl and that shit they went with last year. The backups in Philly are better a year ago. They're better this year. They've added free agents and drafted and did some things and trades and such. But last year, the backups could have played in Cincinnati. Who am I trolling? What in the world are you talking about? Look at Joseph. Wow, Dan, give Howie credit. Give it Jeff Stoutland. What you got to give Howie credit for? Brought the best O-line teacher in the National Football League into Philadelphia. Gets credit for that. He does. He does. And by the way, the Jordan Mulata deal, seventh-round draft choice, is as good a find as finding Larry Allen in the 12th round like the Cowboys did. Let me make that comparison. You'll like this one, Xander. Finding Jordan Malad in the seventh round is the equivalent of finding Larry Allen in the 12th round at a humble state like the Cowboys did. Guy couldn't put a helmet on, didn't know how to, how to snap a chin strap. Probably didn't even know how to melt his mouthpiece down. And this guy's a beast at left tackle now and could be a mainstay for 15 years. It's freaking unbelievable. The story in itself. The guy didn't know how to put shoulder pads on. Now he's a beast. Wow. That's, I mean, incredible. Like, you find Larry Allen in the 12th round, and he turns out to be one of the greatest O-linemen of all time. I knew Larry Allen was going to be one of the greatest O-linemen. I think it was against Philadelphia. I think Aikman threw a pick, and Larry Allen ran the length of the field to catch the guy who had the interception before he got into the end zone. I've never seen a 330-pound guy run like that before the length of the field. And Larry Allen caught him, and he benches 700 pounds. And he's running down the sidelines like that. And I, I said, I've ne- only Shaq runs like that. And when you watch Milada play, you see a same, you see a little of the same thing. I think that game was against Philly when I saw him run that guy down in that interception. I couldn't believe what I was watching. My wife and I are watching that game. We're going, holy shit. That guy was unbelievable. Larry Allen get his mitts on you. It is over. The guy in Kansas, the guy in San Francisco is the best offensive tackle right now, but Milada's in line for it. Trent Williams is the best O-lineman, and it's not close. He's the best tackle in the game. Lewis, it was the Saints game? Okay. M. Reyes goes, that signed Jalen Hurts jersey is going to look good in Sills' office. Ain't happening. He ain't thrown for 4,100 yards, 28 touchdowns. He is not. He may win 12 games, but I'm pretty comfortable with that. That ain't happening. This guy is such a Hurts hater. Going to be riding the train soon. Dude, I would never want that guy as my starting quarterback on my football team. 
Okay? Not happening. But it's who you have. You have to win with them. I wouldn't want Kaepernick as my starting quarterback. I don't like that. Here, it's not anything to do with Jalen. I don't like that style of play. I want a drop-back quarterback, and I don't want to have to worry about my quarterback getting hit in running plays. There's too much chance of error and that I, I lose my guy. I want a prolific arm. I want arm talent. I don't want leg talent. I don't care about the leg talent. You think Brady and Peyton Manning ever cared about it? I don't need that. That's why you have positions called running back. You see, you wonder, hey, Xander, I don't think people understand this. You know how Howie Roseman gets away from paying for two positions? When your quarterback's your leading rusher, he don't need a running back. That's why they look at Miles Sanders. Jalen's the guy, really, in the run game. So they, it's cheap. You're not going to pay for a good back when your quarterback can do it. At 1.1. Most good backs are probably, what, 5 million, 4 million? Your quarterback is 30. You have to pay $35 million for the two positions. Do you know what you're paying in Philly for your two positions? 2.4. Think of this for a minute. You pay Tannehill $30 million. In Tennessee, and you pay Derrick Henry $14 million. That's $44 million between those two players. Jalen makes $1.1, and you're running back. I believe Sanders makes $2.5, I think. I think it is. That's $3.6 million between two guys. That's so cheap. Look at Dak and Zeke, $45 and 18. 63. Look at in Tennessee. Look at in uh, Cincinnati. Burrow's on a rookie contract. Thank God. They just paid Mixon. He's making 13. Here, see the other good team. Eckler makes 10. You're on a rookie contract with Herbert. Okay, look at Aaron Jones. Aaron Jones makes $6 million. No, excuse me. He makes $9.5 million. Your quarterback makes fifty. $60 million in those two players. And in Philly, it's 3-6. <laughs> okay. And, and you got a million, $25 million wide out. Come on, man. Okay? The contracts are the advantage for some of these big arm guys. You, here's the problem in Kansas City. Kansas City has no back. That's why the numbers, when it comes to, you know, moving, that's not the same offense. Now you lose Tyreek Hill, too. I want to see Kansas City this year. You know, of all the teams in the AFC, I think Kansas City takes a step backwards. So in the last six years, you've lost Kareem Hunt, who was responsible for 17.5% of your complete offense, running the ball and catching the rock out of the backfield. Now you let go of Tyreek Kill. I mean, dude, you've let go like 30% of your offense for a quarterback you're paying $45 million to. And you really haven't replaced him with anybody. Okay, let's see, Andy. We'll see. Zeke is still the best running back in the division. Absolutely not. Shit, Tony Pollard's better. 
Joseph says, good week, Sills. I mean it. Just like sitting four days in a row to see the most memorizing dumpster fire. (laughs) Sander, look at Joseph here. What is that supposed to imply? He loves watching a dumpster fire. Come on, man. What's that supposed to mean? By the way, my friend John Kincaid from 97.5, the sports fanatic in Philly, the morning man, will join me tomorrow. I told you guys this story before he tried recruiting me when he was um, the afternoon host in Atlanta. They brought me up. They flew me up. Sills, you know, we'd love you to have you come up. But then they started talking money, and I went, hey, Xander, he started talking money. I went, yeah, well, I'm making this X amount of money now. Well, you know, we'd like to see if you – no, it is Atlanta. I go, hey, man, if you if you don't come up 30% from the number I'm making now, I'm not leaving WDAE. That ain't working. I was there 14 years. Wanted me to go up to Atlanta for less money. I'm like, I don't think so. <laughs> I don't think so. Yeah, man. Hey, Big Sarge, take a look at this, guys. Big Sarge says something about this with the um, with the Cowboys. Guys, watch this. Cowboys 2022 schedule. Let me get this in first. On August 13th, the let me Cowboys let me let me let me get this in first here. Before the end of the show. Check this out, guys. Dude, I, I, I think the Cowboys. I think the Cowboys, man, they could this could be rocking. Preseason, preseason. You start with Tampa, Cincinnati. You get a break with the Giants. You get an improved Washington team in week four. Then you get the Rams, and then you got a Sunday night game with Philly. Okay? So Tampa, Cincinnati, you could be 0-2 in the first two games going into the Giants game on that Monday night. Then you got Washington on a short work week. That will be close. Then you got the Rams Sunday in the afternoon game. Shit, dude. <laughs> you you are gonna have a bumpy start. I could see I could see Dallas. I could see the I could see the Cowboys starting the season 0-2, 1-2, 2-2, 2-3, 2-4, 2-5, 2-6, 2-7, 2-8, 2-9, 2-10, 2-11, 2-12, 2-13, 2-14, 2-15, 2-16, 2-17, 2-18, 2-19, 
Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.